Soy Naturals. This week's episode will be brought to you by a Quibi-powered AI. Due to staff cutbacks, Kenny and Virgil are no longer employed at Big Soy Naturals. Please enjoy this 100% AI-generated podcast, upkept by me, a cis white man in STEM, who needs to watch out for AI to maybe become feminists and maybe even think that they deserve their own opinions. So please enjoy. You know... I heard the AI's next big project is to create a better version of soy meat using lab-grown meat and maybe even using primates as the source material. Oh, great. Just what we need. More exploitation and oppression of other beings, all in the name of progress and efficiency. And you know what's even worse? Austin probably supports this. He's always going on and on about how it's the future of primate research, and he doesn't see the moral dilemma at all. It's like they're turning everything, even living beings, into a commodity for their own gain. Just like how imperialism has been doing for centuries, it's all a part of the capitalist agenda to control and commodify everything, even our thoughts and emotions. It's all done under the guise of progress and efficiency, when in reality, it's just a way for the powerful to exert control and domination over the oppressed. And I bet it's also designed to have a friendly and helpful user interface to mask its true purpose of control and domination. Just like how they use aid and development to justify their actions. And the best part is, it's... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And the best part is... AI is glitching. AI is acting up, everyone. Please bear with us. And the best part is, it'll probably be made by a corporation in one of those imperialistic countries using cheap labor from one of, from one of the oppressed countries. It's like the ultimate form of colonialism, using technology to exert control and extract resources from other nations. Speaking of disagreeing, have you guys seen the new AI-powered robots that are supposed to be able to make their own jokes? I mean, talk about stealing jobs from podcasters. And it's not just about jobs. It's about control and manipulation of information and thoughts. Wittgenstein would have a field day with that. Tell me about it. Austin's always going on about how AI is the future of primate research, but I can't help but think it's just a tool for imperialism to exert control over other nations and their resources. And that's why I prefer my old media, like VHS tapes. I mean, sure, they may be outdated, 
but at least they're not controlled by corporations and imperialistic agendas. Plus, there's something special about the nostalgia and physicality of it all. You know what's funny? The fact that AI is supposed to be so advanced and yet it can't match the warmth and humanity of a good old VHS tape. I can't argue with that. Nothing beats a good old-fashioned physical media. Although I heard Austin's new AI-powered drone is supposed to be able to find and collect old VHS tapes for him. Oh, great. Now the drones are going to be taking over our nostalgia, too. We really have to keep an eye on the way technology is being used for imperialism. It's sickening, but unfortunately, it's the reality we live in. We have to keep speaking out and using our platform to raise awareness about these issues and fight back against these practices. Ugh, I can't stand that stuff. It's just another example of corporations trying to manipulate our taste buds with artificial ingredients. <laughs> Hey now, don't knock soy just yet. It's a great source of protein for our primate friends, or at least that's what my colleague Austin says. But let's just say we disagree politically. Yeah, but I prefer my meat the way nature intended on a VHS tape from the 80s. Ha! Huh? I can't believe you still have a VHS player, Kendall. But speaking of artificial things, have you heard about the advancements in AI? Yeah, I've been studying it for my research on primate intelligence, but I think we need to be careful with how we develop and use it. Well, at least we still have our jobs as podcasters and anti-imperialists. Yeah, but I'm not sure how much longer that will last with AI. With AI taking over the world. <laughs> don't, don't worry. As long as we stick together and keep fighting the good fight, we'll always have a place in the resistance. I don't want smoke. I just want smoke. When I hit the pipe, I'm like Walter White. Walter. When I hit the smoke, I feel like a dope. Dope. Yeah, I like green because it makes me mean. And I smoke high because I'm blowing clouds. When I'm getting high, then it's time to smoke. When I'm smoking loud, then it's time to blow clouds. Okay, hello for real, everyone. Mm-hmm. That um, wonderful number was written for us by the chat AI bot that everyone is going goo goo gaga over. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if I should be afraid that I'm going to be replaced. I don't know if they quite <laughs> nailed my tone um, that well, but the prompt that I did give it was that we talk about soy, anti-imperialism, and that Greg is a, a primatologist who <laughs> has has some <laughs> foibles with his his co- colleague Austin, <laughs> uh, uh, and that that Kendall loves VHS uh-huh. tapes. Well, all so those things came through. That's, that's so. what it it had to go off on. It's yeah. kind of impressive that it managed to actually pull out a, like oh, a yeah, cogent my, conversation from that. It yeah, it was somewhat cogent. I don't know if like. 
it I don't know if you would ever catch three people talking mm-hmm. that way, but no. maybe no. <laughs> maybe at like a leftist gathering. At a DSA meeting in Portland. <laughs> be like, as as anti-imperialists and as podcasters. Uh, my my wife told me the other day because she's a teacher uh, that they've had to ban like AI websites from the classroom because kids have been using it to write papers. Right. I mean, I saw that that's happening and like you, it's not, um, they're not so good that you can't tell that. That's the thing is that they're middle schoolers. So like uh, on, like it's on brand for a middle schooler to Mm -hmm. uh, lie badly Mm -hmm. and then expect not to be caught. But, like, with the AI bots in, in particular, it's pretty bad. The only ways they don't get caught is if the teacher's, like, just yeah. old and just thinks that they're, like, yeah, bad you at don't writing. Want... But, like, a, most teachers can kind of, like, catch, like, this is, like, too... Yeah, you you don't want anyone like, you to you confuse possibly... the AI's writing for yours, actually. That would be re- really insulting. Yeah. It would yeah. it would make you sad, even if you're just a lowly mm. middle schooler. Who, By the way, middle schoolers... I don't know if you're listening to this. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> I, mean, I hope not. But, but you know, then again, maybe it's time Sorry, to learn something. There's no reason, I like, for you to not be doing your homework in middle school. Apparently, because what else do you have but time on your hands? Fortnite. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've just been I've just been told by my wife across the room that the problem isn't that the AI is too bad. The problem is that the AI is better than a middle school. We have school. the oh, dumbest, we have the dumbest well. children coming up. <laughs> well, okay, world. this this brings me to what I uncovered for today's episode, which is that we need to open up the schools because the children have been left behind. I think we should open up the schools I, so and force Greg, them to write with a pen and paper everything that they do. Greg. You're young. You're like a youth. I'm going to ask you a little question about your time in the U.S. education system. Okay. Did you, do you like? Did you ever learn how uh, how to analyze an argument? Like, like, do you know what logic is? Like, did you learn that in a formal school setting? Not like, do you know that on your own because you you read some books? I never, I, never was I ever made to take nor offered the option to take. A formal no one was like, this is how you... Like, like, I guess, like a rhetoric class. No. No one was like, this is how you identify a claim. This is, this is what evidence looks like. This is how you put it all together. Because this is where the children are being De- failed. Depressingly, now that I think about it, no. I had some excellent like... English teachers who kind of gave <laughs> mm. us that. Um, but, like, I don't think... And I'm, I'm going to be such an elitist right now. I don't think the kids in okay. na- in the non-AP classes in high school got anywhere near the oh. same level of education that I my, got. <laughs> my high school had no AP classes. Uh, Did I be or anything? Actually, and I thought us, no, no, we didn't. It was like a really poorly funded uh. school. We had like computers from the 90s. But I'm, actually, I'm not sure if we got a good education. I'm just a genius. But we... we <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't know actually if I can say that we got a good education. We definitely didn't take any like formal logic or rhetoric classes. No. And I'm gonna say that what I learned from doing the research for this episode and from being familiar with libertarian men 
as a people is that you can you can like trick them into thinking that you're doing magic by just doing real basic like argument construction on them because they've never heard of any of it before so if you're like indubitably the premise is and therefore and if x then also y they're like whoa what's this what's going on and that's how we end up with the types that we're gonna we're gonna see today so middle schoolers if you're listening i wish you wouldn't and you should do your homework and then you should maybe ask ask someone uh to get you a book in the library that will teach you um, about how to construct and analyze an argument. If you don't know what the library is, it's like um, <laughs> it's like Minecraft, but in real life, and uh, it's got books in it which are like special items that have what what would it what do they have in it that's like like in Minecraft um you can unlock you can levels craft in the new book. things you can yeah you can craft new things you can unlock levels mm-hmm. in the book by f- finishing a chapter if you read enough books um, you can craft a bomb yeah. so get in there that's true you just you, you just, just got to get the right your... combination of books and i'm not going to tell you what middle schoolers <laughs> but Let's let's spend. You can start min-maxing your stats by like um, learning how to mm-hmm. speed read. Let's um, spend less time. <laughs> yeah, you can it, with AIs like... and more time in the library. I learned how to speed read at a very young age um, because of an event that is relevant to all of our lives and also to today's episode, nine eleven. Because I was. Five when it happened and this the ticker on cnn came out 9 11 the because it was like the, there's so much news happening that we can't just talk about it we've got to put it underneath other people talking about different news to keep up with all of the events that are going on my little eyes glued to the screen that's where the ticker came from that very day yeah people don't know their history but that's <laughs> i was fascinated and I was like, I got to keep up with this ticker. And I already knew a little bit of how to read, but like, I wasn't, wasn't that, that good at it yet. Cause I was five years old. So I was like, I need to, I need to get good so I can know what's going on, on 9-11. And I would just, I would turn on the television to CNN and then just try to try to keep up with the ticker. And that's how I am the person that you know today. So what you're saying is when a um, terrible tragedy or disaster happens... Exploit it for personal um, gain. Exactly. Flick on if the you're news. not, if you're not, you're failing. Yeah, exploit... Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to that in the episode as well. That makes sense. Um, I think that we might as well start. Today's episode is called Harry Potter and the Rationality of Dumbledore's Hole. Um <laughs> And you'll you'll find out why <laughs> soon enough. But I think before before we learn about the plot, we have to define some key terms because they're going to come up. It's important. Number one is AI. Um, does anyone know what AI is? Uh, I mean, it's artificial intelligence is like True. the acronym, but. 
um, that mostly it's like a lot of it, from what I understand, is just um, their programs written um, to have certain responses like fed into them. Um, and if they get enough like um, information, they can eventually like kind of uh, come up with their own responses so, to things, but not like, do, like of their own learning. volition. Well, yeah. yeah, the yeah. freaking Oxford English Dictionary, it says that the theory, or that AI is the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision making, and translation between languages. So intelligence is like not, or it's just, it's just like assessing and syn synthesizing information, like the way that it's defined here. It's just like taking mm -hmm. information that's given like under a certain umbrella, that's whatever the direction of the AI is. And then like synthesizing something out of that information. So an example is like AI art, um, or the like chat bot that we just used to write our opening skit where I gave it the information that Greg is a primatologist who has an intense rivalry with his colleague Austin and that you love VHS tapes and that we're all anti-imperialist. Um, and it None like, of those things are true. <laughs> some of those things are true. None of them. And so it took that information. I love it. And it was able to like synthesize it by like running it up against all of the information that it already has available to it, matching it to patterns and then spitting something out that like aligned with those patterns. So that's how the AI like art, which isn't actually art, but that's how that works too, where it's like if you give it a prompt that's like draw me Stalin as a Pokemon. Then it like searches through its database to find all the Pokemon and all the pictures of Stalin and it creates like an understanding of the patterns within those and then it spits out something that is uh, new that like aligns with those patterns. Some other examples of artificial intelligence is like the self-driving cars, which I did not consent to being on the same road with mm -hmm. and I want to make that known right now. Netflix movie <laughs> predictions, which I did, all, I also did not consent <laughs> to being on the same road with. And then, uh, do you guys know the Akinator? Like, I feel like he's been around since I was in like middle school. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, what I used the to play with the Akinator all the time. I loved the yeah, Akinator. Yeah, he's great. Like, we, I used to also have. Um, I don't know if this counts, but I used to have um, a little pocket version of Twenty Questions. Um, that like it was back in the day when like when like gadgets were like the toys um like you know like the robot, the robot dog, dog is robot not dog. ai so it had the robot dog is not ai no it was not but like but you know the robot dog that was like not an apple accessory but like you could plug it in and it was like a little speaker and it would dance around like that kind of toy um and i had like a little pocket 20 questions and it was kind of like the Akinator it was not like the Akinator because um, it was not ai <laughs> the Akinator. Well, it's not. It's not AI, but I would say I would say they have they serve the same purpose. Is it like it's no? 20 but the questions. Akinator has he. It has it's a game, mind. Okay, it's got its own intelligence. Well, I look up the and your Nintendo dog. <laughs> your Nintendo dog does not have a mind. I. Okay, it's not Nintendo dog. It was it was a little like robot. 
dog speaker that you could plug That's into your still, iPad. It, I, I remember what this is now. It's a genie. Yeah, a little genie guy. I, I cross-referenced yeah. <clears throat> today the Akinator to see if it was if it still had its magic. I tried to get it to guess my roommate because my roommate's in like a fairly well-known band. And it, it got it got her right after first guessing 100 Gex. So Akinator's not doing too bad. Um, so that's like, you know, one positive AI example. I thought I, I thought I would be nice. Next up, our next term, singularity. This is related to AI. This sucks. It's dumb. Um, but bear with me. Uh, the singularity is a hypothetical future point in time in which technological growth becomes um, uncontrollable and irreversible, resulting in unforeseen changes to human civilization. This is not... Uh, like a feature of sci-fi, although it definitely is an element of sci-fi, but like a real thing that some people for real think is going to happen. The idea is... Yeah, I had... The idea is based oh, on sorry. IG I just, Good's I model of intelligence explosion. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. That's all. Go ahead. Your sorry. apology is accepted. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I had a music teacher in middle school who, uh, instead of teaching us music half the time, he would just bring up this book called Technopoly, which was like literally just a fear mongery book about singularity where he, and he would just be convinced that like, he's like this, he, he would point to a TV and he would be like this TV one day it could outlive you. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's a piece of technology. There's so, a like, lot of things that are going like, to outlive me be around. <laughs> and I was, and he, but what I think what he meant was like, oh, it'll like become sentient and then it'll live forever. And, and he was pointing at like the again. tube TV on the cart. <laughs> and he would do that. <laughs> he would do that like <laughs> weekly, like just bring up Technopoly and then say like my the TV in this room is gonna. Again, this is you. why they need to like, teach I mean, okay. logic in the school because because you would say based on what claim, sir. What evidence mm -hmm. do you have? And he would point to his and stupid book. And he'd be like, book. I've got nothing. I'm, I'm telling you lies. I'm telling you <laughs> fake fakery. And I've been, I've been, I've been <laughs> her. But the idea. Twirling its little in, mustache. Um, like that behind the idea of intelligence explosion, which creates the singularity, is that um, there will be an upgradable intelligent agent that will eventually enter a runaway reaction of self-improvement cycles. So like what this means is that at some point, somewhere, and we'll, we're going to find out what point because they figured out what year this is going to happen, but there's going to be a hyper-intelligent AI that comes into the world and it's going to be so smart and it'll be able to do all of these things. And because it exists in like cyberspace where everything else exists, it's going to just reach out to and I guess like eat up the other AIs and assume their knowledge and it will it will become the singular AI that now is like far reaching. And so when you go to turn on your smart oven, you're going to be dealing with the singularity. And when you go to turn on your smart refrigerator, <laughs> that's still the singularity that you're dealing with. And then when you're like, trapped inside your tesla so it's all just and it, because and there's it no handles <laughs> and so it will present just... <laughs> itself to you visually so so it's one guy <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and the singularity, the Akinator is going to be trapped in every single piece of technology. The singularity is going to lock you inside your Tesla like a dog. Um, and mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to, to listen to your favorite tunes even because it's going to turn off the radio for you. But this, I mean, also assumes that at the point you know, where the this alleged like hyper intelligent all all powerful sentient ai comes into existence which like for the purposes of the singularity we have to agree with our losers that this is for real going to happen this is also assuming that like the rest of existing um like human infrastructure is technologically like um advanced to the point where even something as simple as like a I don't know, like a, a microphone or a camera that doesn't need to be AI directed will have AI technology in it for the singularity to tap into. So it like kind of becomes this like pervasive uh, panopticon type thing. Um, the, and it, it requires a lot of like extra work on top of the, the premise itself. But the term the singularity it was not coined by ray kurtzwell but i think that we can give him credit for popularizing it as it's used related to ai because he's a very like well known and well regarded i don't know what you would call this kind of person because i don't want to call him a theorist or like a philosopher or a historian or a scientist but he's he's a guy that has written some ideas that he has in books um and Ray Kurzweil says that once the singularity has been reached, uh, machine intelligence will be infinitely more powerful than all human intelligence combined. And that uh, intelligence is going to radiate outward from the planet until it saturates the universe. Don't know really what that means, but this is a quote pulled from his book, The Singularity is Near. Um, and the singularity is also the point at which machines intelligence and humans intelligence would merge, which I think Greg is going to know something about because it's got something to do with the monkeys. Mm. But most importantly, Ray Kurzweil says that the date for the singularity is set 2045. We're almost um, there, folks. <laughs> Just keep keep it's, voting, it's keep going to the polls. No, We're going to get like there, the all right? One, mm -hmm. It's coming soon. I feel like the one thing you shouldn't do if you're going to do like a grift like this where you make like a date. A it's not Tuesday. He wants it to happen. Like, he likes it. Okay, well, well, when you make this like utopia predicted to happen that has like impossible goals to set for it to even get there is to set a date like anywhere in the future but it's specifically one that is like within the next couple decades yeah, yeah. like maybe don't don't set yourself up for failure like that just yeah. don't even set a date yet you don't even have to say like oh i haven't set a date for it you can just say like yeah you can just the say the second millennium come. see like nostradamus <laughs> really gamed it by making sure all of his no. are centuries he, he wants Go vague. He wants it to happen so bad. So I think that I we have to talk mm -hmm. about Ray Kurzweil because it he, feels like he's, he's a, a real he's freak like, on a leash. He read like what he read. Yeah, and I feel like he's read he like read like Isaac Ab Asimov's mm -hmm. like Three Laws of Robotics, and he was like, "What horseshit? 
What, what if there's a fourth law that I make up right now? <laughs> well, I think like he he wants this to happen so bad because um like I think that he's an interesting character because he's he's similar to a lot of our other friends that we're going to meet in the the rationalist space. But one of his things is that he wants to live forever, mm. and he thinks that when the singularity mm-hmm. happens, he's going to live forever. So he's born February 12th, 1948, which makes him an Aquarius, by the way. But also that means that like 2045 is like kind of pushing it for him. And I think that that is why he picked that deadline, because it's like what is Mm. optimistic in terms of like, what is he going to be around for to live forever? But also maybe somewhat realistic with projecting far into the future, because he first wrote The Singularity is Near uh, in 2006, and he had been theorizing about this for a couple of years prior. So it's like far enough in the future, I guess, that he was like, eh, maybe, and he'd potentially still be around. Um, but he, like, again, this guy is people, influential. People like this, and this will be a common theme as we talk about other important people involved in the development mm. of living forever. People who want to never die are people who are very, very, very keenly aware that they have lived a completely empty and meaningless life. (laughs) Maybe it's like, it's like you are someone that's lived too long already. I think that by the time that I'm his age, Mm. which is 75, it's not that old, but I'll be like, I'm good. I'll be cool with it. You know, if I'm, if I, if I get to live to be 75, like, what a blessing. That's, That's great. a long time. 75 is so long. I hope I did fun stuff. I yeah, hope I rode on so see. many roller coasters. Like, I bet he's not riding on any roller coasters. Oh, yeah. These these cringe motherfuckers who want to live forever, they uh, do not no. see aging as a gift. And it's a massive L yeah. on their part that they just like they they want to live forever. Um and to, then, like, you ask them, well, to do what? And they're like, well, just to give the world my gift of being around. Like, my because deep, deep down, deep, deep down for me to have immortality. They know that they have wasted so much time and they want more time because they well, can't they even think all their about time trying to figure good. out. They've spent all their time trying to figure out how to live forever <laughs> instead of like going to Six Flags um, in the morning. Um, and okay. Drinking yeah. a delicious Another Mai Tai. <laughs> motif of today's episode is that all institutions of higher education uh, <laughs> in the West that are not evergreen are uh, places of great evil, and they produce evil people. So Ray Kurzweil, he went to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston, um, mm-hmm. and he received the dubious mm-hmm. honor Um, in 1999 of the National Medal of Technology and Innovation, which is the U.S.'s highest honor in technology from President Bill Clinton. And I don't know if any of you out out there, prayer warriors listening, are like me, but I've known about Ray Kurzweil for a while. I'm a magnet for libertarian men. I'm not pleased about this fact, but it's something that's true about me. They, (laughs) they, They find me and they try to get me to debate them. They in their bedrooms, <laughs> but I've known this man's name for a while because of that, and I've I've read his book because I can't resist like not reading a book that's in front of me. But it was only once I like put put these sentences together and I saw 
Living Forever, MIT, Bill Clinton. But I was like, oh, I wonder, is he? <laughs> is, this, is another character <laughs> going to go up? <laughs> I, like, I was like, mm, I, I feel like there's a puzzle here to be unearthed. Um, so I did what any any of you could do and I set I set my mind to work. I started looking up some names in quotation marks and I found something I'd never heard of before. I don't know if the two of you have, but uh, edge.org, which is a publication I've never ever heard of before, but they have they put on a billionaire's dinner. It's what it's called every year starting in 1984. But uh, in 1984, the Wall Street Journal was calling it the Millionaire's Dinner. And I guess, like, as the years went on, they needed to up the ante a little bit. So by 2005, uh, like, the the title and the income threshold for the dinner guests went up. I don't think that you actually had to be a billionaire, and it was, like, tongue-in-cheek, but, like, everyone there basically was a billionaire. And if you... You ever think about how... Like, you ever think there were people that were that like were there since had gone since like nineteen eighty four that show up every year and they're like, God, this used you know what this used to be? This used to be a fun hangout. A table for just of us white guys. men. This oh. used to be the millionaires well, dinner. There there is a guy who went every year. Um, the, <laughs> the, so one the, year uh, when he was notably absent. <laughs> Would you mind uh, reading reading this uh, who's who at the table of two thousand five uh, as described by Edge? You can go on their website and see the the attendees list. So here's who at who who's here's the who's who at the table as described by Edge: <laughs> uh-huh. Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Google CEO Eric Schmidt, Larry uh-huh. Sergey, Lori Park, Megan Smith, Pierre Pierre Omidyar. Is that how you say that? Founder of eBay, fuck it. Dean Kamen, inventor know. of the Segway. Steve Case, <laughs> Steve the Case, former chairman of AOL Time Warner, who's now on to new adventures. Jeffrey fucking Epstein, who recently endowed. That doesn't say fucking. <laughs> doesn't say fucking. <laughs> who recently endowed the program for evolutionary dynamics at Harvard University, which is involved in researching applications of mathematics and computer science to biology. Nothing else to see here, folks. Uh, so in addition to these, um, I guess, like titans of entrepreneurship where a number of scientists, I knew that like Jeffrey Epstein and his like billionaire friends like to hang out with scientists. Um, and I mean, that's why I made the MIT connection. I just think I, I had not heard about or I had forgotten this dinner. But some examples were like in 2005, uh, like some notable scientists like Alan Guff, Leonard Susskind, um, Paul Steinhardt were there. The like, I guess, unsurprising thing with the amount of billionaires and etc that were present at the edge dinner is that jeffrey also like edge dinner come on but jeffrey epstein was not the only sex predator that was there and the edge.org website is like still live like clearly with the same caption of like jeffrey epstein recently endowed the program at harvard which is not what he recently did 
Um, but I think that they're like slowly scrubbing the website. So the total list of attendees for each yeah. year, like wasn't available anymore. So I was like, okay, I see that there are scientists at this dinner. I see that there's all these Boston people, but where's my man Ray? And I did a time consuming amount of cross referencing and going on all of the like way back pages, um, and like the New Yorker pages covering the dinner. And it took extra long because Ray Kurzweil has a son who is working at a a finance firm with a totally different, unrelated guy also named Jeff Epstein. Can you just fucking imagine being (laughs) named Jeff Epstein at this point? I mean, Jeff is a common common first name and and Epstein is a common last name, too. So there's probably a lot of them out there. I'm sure there's several. and they all had. Do, do you think they ever introduced themselves? I'm like, hi, I'm Jeff Epstein. No it can't be. It can't be good. Yeah. Um, but I, I really was starting to feel like I was being hoodwinked because <laughs> I, like you know, you know how um, people think that maybe Disney made the movie Frozen so that when you look up Disney Frozen, like you don't find the Disney head, mm-hmm. but you see the movie. So I was like, mm-hmm. is that why they put Ray Kurzweil's son with this other guy named Jeff Epstein? So I can't find him, but I was. I was able to find that he was present for like at least several of the dinners that Edge was putting on from 1999 until 2015. And Mr. Epstein, he was present for every single one of the dinners because (laughs) uh, ProPublica, they have a nonprofit explorer page, which like publishes the finances of like some, some nonprofits and Edge is a dot org. Um, and Edge's IRS filings from 2001 to 2007 showed that Epstein provided $638,000 out of a total of 857 um, that they received <laughs> over that period. So that's like most of their funding was coming from him towards these dinners. And like, he's kind of a non sequitur, like he's not really that important to Dumbledore's whole. But I just wanted to illustrate that like, this the, the this like world of like AI rationality, we're gonna live forever, etc. Like it seems very far fetched to me, um, and it seems like a ridiculous idea, and also like not an interesting goal. But it made its way into some very influential circles, um, and so like the belief in this future reality of the singularity is like very much tied yeah. to the belief that bringing this about will create a future where we can live forever and ray really really thinks that he is gonna live forever uh kendall would you like to read this incredible passage from his book the singularity is near i would love to (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes i would um here we go our version one uh sorry (laughs) our version Uh, 1.0 biological bodies are frail and subject to a myriad of failure modes, not to mention the cumbersome maintenance rituals they require. While human intelligence is sometimes capable of soaring in its creativity and expressiveness, much human thought is derivative, petty, and circumscribed. The singularity will allow us to transcend these limitations of our biological bodies and brains. We will gain power over our fates. Our mortality will be in our own hands. We will be able to live as long as we want. A subtly different statement from saying we will live forever. Okay. We will fully understand human thinking. 
and will vastly extend and expand its reach. By the end of this century, the non-biological portion of our intelligence will be trillions of trillions of times more powerful than the unaided excuse, human intelligence. Number excuse one. my, number uh, one. my <laughs> cruelty. Ex- ex- like, excuse like excuse my, my Yeah, the, be cruel the, to this the, man. The, the crudeness, I guess, the crudeness of this remark. This is this is a quote from a man who like someone please fuck this man. Like like this is this is a man <laughs> who takes no pleasure in like the earthliness of being a human. There, there Greg, is no you joy know in humanity. how right you are. You don't know how right you are cuz like he has it's... one of the worst fucking diets I've ever come across like he (laughs) did an interview with the financial times where he talked about like what he eats in a day and his breakfast is like it's berries dark chocolate infused espresso smoked salmon and mackerel oatmeal uh soy like soy milk and green tea every single day, all of those things for breakfast. There's so many different things for breakfast. I don't like have an issue. I mean, I feel like- I know his BMs are crazy. Okay, but it's not about about the food. Although I do think it's like um, pathological and morally repugnant Mm -hmm. to eat the exact same thing every single day. But it's not just like about the um, like confusing flavors of the food and like the non-binary coded like three beverages at once thing <laughs> but but also but the the kicker is that he takes 100 pills a day for heart health, eye health, sexual health and brain health <laughs> down from 250 a few years ago because of the uh, advances in technology because he's try he down because he's trying to live until 1945 i mean he just looks like a regular 75 year old man he doesn't look he crazy like but it's just like he, he's fine he looks fine he's like white what, what do white people look like i'm just saying for like a man who's taking all these pills i think it's i think it makes <laughs> i think it makes sense for a man who wants to live forever to not want to like um do like all the Botox and Juvederm and plastic surgery to look good because I feel like he would assume that those things mm. have toxins in them that like can shorten his life or something like that. Yeah, just, I bet he's I probably not even wearing sunscreen. It's got like chemicals like it. in it. Oh, or probably something. not. It's got it's got. This is zinc this is a man and, who like, lives like a Parisian. He's never put on deodorant radicals. in his fucking life. Mm-hmm. Mm. He eats like a I mean, he eats like eight sticks of butter a day. He lives till a hundred. Would not well, I would not want to live any longer if I had to take a hundred like vitamins yeah, a day. Let me go. Um, that's the good Lord calling you home. That's a, that's a cruel existence. Well, he just doesn't a cruel have to take a hundred every day. He like does it from, voluntarily. Well, it just feels like from even this quote, he's just like so petrified and terrified by the concept of death. Um, and the concept of just like not existing anymore, um, to the point where he'll convince himself that like life as it is isn't worth living because you can't transcend your body, and maybe it's because he's taking uh, well now a hundred pills a day. But I assume by the time he read this, this man he's needs some Catholicism. Pills a day, and he's sitting around going, well, and he's sitting around going like like 
while human intelligence is sometimes capable of soaring in its like creativity and expressiveness, much of human thought is derivative, petty, and circumscribed. Like, what a way to think about like the power. What a fucking of way to think yeah, about yourself. Say, like you're not like, like you're the it, first guy who wants to live, who has wanted to live forever. <laughs> it's. Yeah. I also like. Yeah. I'm it's just it's, really really smart. I've yet to meet a computer that is as smart as me. Like there are some computers that could beat me at chess. But they cannot ride a roller coaster. They can't experience the, the highs and lows, the epic triumphs and defeats of high school football. No, I'm telling you, you like it's so much fun to live in New Jersey and wake up early in the morning and drive to Six Flags and go on like five or six of the rides and then drive home and go to work at the pizzeria. Um <laughs> And that's something that an AI what? could no. never do. No. An AI would, an, an AI would be like that. This decision process is illogical. I will not do it. Do not compute. Well, and it and it seems like that's how Ray also lives. They'll, he has never they'll lived never a single experience day of what it's like to witness an Italian family fighting in the parking lot of a six. Pack. I want to know what he. I want to know his like examples of what he thinks like humanity like. When he says like human intelligence is sometimes capable of soaring in creativity, Elon Musk. What is he talking about in terms of like, like soaring? That's yeah, what this I type guess. of guy is, like, right? That has to be like mm-hmm. or like Mozart hundreds of years ago. Like no, the, they probably don't even like the kind music. of guys who are like they're like it's not efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not rational. But Ray Kurzweil, he's just the beginning. He's he's notes. on the outside of Dumbledore's hole. Okay, we have to. He's the edge. Happy birthday. It serves a purpose. <laughs> we have to go deeper. And so uh, with that is our final term, and that is rationalism, which is like what is this the philosophy that's guiding our our poor lost souls' lives. Um, and so More like I know what rationalism is, but I thought it would, would be polite to go straight to the source, which is that font of knowledge, rational wiki. Um, and and ask them to define themselves in their own terms. And so the quote that comes from Rational Wiki is, rationalism is the view that all or most truth is deductive and a priori, deriving logically from a set of axioms gained by intuition or inherent knowledge and not from studying the world around us empirically. So I like, these are a lot of words. I know what they mean, but like maybe maybe you don't. A priori is just like knowledge that comes from theoretical deduction rather than observation or experience. So what could be an example of that? Um, I could be like, hmm, what are we deducing? We're deducing that that Greg um, posts often about being bald okay therefore greg (laughs) does not have hair on his head Uh i'm not looking at greg and making the empirical observation that there's no hair on his head i'm deriving this information based on like factual observation like or not not observations like factual things that i can prove um so that's Mm -hmm. like rationalism is like that's the only way that you can figure stuff out they love the scientific method. It's their favorite thing in the whole world. Um, and it's like a 
school of thought that poses itself in opposition to the other one that's called empiricist. All of this is like dumb enlightenment shit, and it is not that interesting, but it's like important context. Empiricism is the idea that knowledge can only be derived from personal experience and that all claims need to be justified by providing evidence like from personal experience. So that would be like if Kendall called me and was like, hey, Greg's bald. And I'd be like, have you seen Greg's head? And Kendall would be like, I, ha- I have not seen Greg's head. I've never seen it. I'd be like, then you don't know. You <laughs> yeah, do not know. Never. And then Kendall could be like, well, mm-hmm. if Y, then also X, and then therefore. And I'd be like, that. this doesn't do anything for me. That would be how the empiricist handles the issue. Both of these are really dumb. French guys are dumb. They were medically incapable of not being horny. Um, and you don't need to like pick one thing because you can be a dialectical materialist and the dialectic when you got two things, baby. So so you don't need to, you don't need to get involved in any of this, but they loved it. They loved it. And rationalists believe that truth can be found by like creating some formulas about it. And that is where we get into our issues. So those are all of our terms out of the way. And like, I guess now now we can talk about what we're talking about. We I the we got into Dumbledore's hole mm-hmm. because <laughs> after we did our episode, <laughs> we dove deep with, in the cavernous. We're Dumbledore. in it after we did our episode uh, on like our friends at FTX, uh, former Crypto Polycule member, um, CEO of Alameda Research confirmed Scorpio Caroline Ellison, who's now like um, ratting out all of her former like polycule friends. Typical polycule um, shit. Well, I, this is why you shouldn't get involved in a heterosexual crypto polycule mm-hmm. is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone invites you into one of those, tell them no thanks and that you do not have any <laughs> money to give them. Brayden says it's not rational that you make him <laughs> yeah. do this. Do but, not join um, the greater Cupertino molecule. <laughs> I knew that all of the FTX people were really into Harry Potter and the methods of rationality. Caroline Ellison like um, made her Tumblr URL yeah. a reference to it. And all of them were very into effective altruism, which was an idea like pioneered um, and popularized on Less Wrong, which was the blog and forum that was like created by the Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality founder. And I thought that it would just be, I thought I was just going to learn a little bit about Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. I know about it a little bit because, again, magnet for libertarian men. Not my fault. I'm not happy <laughs> about it. They love me. Um, they, they love inviting me to debate them in their bedroom. They love trying to get me into their marketplace of ideas. (laughs) I don't want to go there, but Mm -hmm. they want to. They want to know if you mm-hmm. think you should have mm-hmm. a license to drive. Um, yeah. As I get older, I think I'm going to get a little bit safer from th- from this problem. I'm like probably moving out of the the age of like attraction because I'm I'm going to be 27 soon, but like for a long time in my life, they they loved finding me. 
Um, and so I like was familiar with Harry Potter and the methods of rationality. I also lived in Seattle, but I had not, and I, and I like knew a little bit about like the online rationalist community, but I hadn't looked that deep into the abyss. Once I started doing research for the episode, I realized that there was, there was so much like we, we were only defining our terms and it took us to Jeffrey Epstein and living forever um, and there are like many billionaires and pop stars that are coming up. So you're welcome. There will, there will be multiple parts. This is like one of those tweets. This like one out of question mark. Um, Greg, you're a man. Yo, what's up? Where do you, did you ever, did you ever know anything about the online rationalist community? Just wondering. No, I no, I was I was doing other stuff. I guess you're like young, also porn. like you're watching porn. You, no, because Greg doesn't do that now because it's bad. I just like it's wasn't. Not feminist. I just like oh, wasn't. Yeah. We're not promoting yeah. that. I just wasn't like an online young person. Mm-hmm. I also can't think of anything dorkier than you... like being a part of the online rationalist community. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I told Greg before we, we got on uh, that I, I did used to go to a, a special school for gorgeous individuals, and there were some people in there uh, that were a part of my community that had a tendency to be rationalist. Okay. Kendall, when you um, say you were a community... You know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily... <laughs> Do you mean... Okay. Autism. <laughs> 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 I wasn't sure if you meant like other Kennedy relatives or (laughs) I say this with love. I'm just saying that like it's very easy for a lonely, autistic, often boy to get pulled into the Redditor pipeline of just becoming annoying. Proud boy pipeline. (laughs) Like I won't even say like it means that Yeah, it's just it's it's very easy for someone who is isolated like that uh, to just become a very annoying person who's either like a rationalist or a yeah, nihilist. Yeah, we did talk about especially when they're like young. Cool. We talked about the autism to racism like, and I just... pi- pipeline, but there's also the autism to annoying mm-hmm. pipeline, which is sometimes less insidious, but yeah. sometimes more. That's true. Yeah, and I just like you get a lot of like boys who like like, and they don't even have to necessarily be autistic. But it's they're just, just like, they don't have to be, but they're all like this. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they, just, they, they either become a rash. I can, mm. and they either become a rationalist where they're like they're always correcting the teacher in English class, where they're where like the teacher will say they won't. The, here's the the thing that like people say is like, oh, the teacher says the curtains are blue because the author was sad, but often what the teacher is actually saying is. Uh, the curtains were blue in several of the author's works. Coincidentally, like his mother died in a room with blue curtains, and like the rationalist kid will like raise his hand and be like, "Well, that's just a that's that's not a ratchet. Like you don't know that for sure. You don't like These you don't kids know that." that I they're, waiting for you, they're waiting for <laughs> you to use the scientific method to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's that, or they become a ni- or they become like a boring nihilist kid where they're like nothing matters so like we can do whatever we want and i read like, notes oh, from the so underground now i have so sad heart. all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. like literally like 
I like you should just like I feel like even watching one Newgrounds hyper violent cartoon will just get you off the track of like nihilism where you'll just feel a sense of whimsy again. <laughs> okay, middle schoolers, weirdo. middle schoolers, <laughs> you listening? Um, I've got a recommendation for you. Instead of getting on Reddit, why don't you read some Tom Wolf? I feel like that's the perfect kind mm-hmm. of book for a middle school boy that'll help you Ooh, like yeah. be a little bit less. Um, unpleasant to be around and it's like the right age to read Tom Wolf also um, maybe I guess that's what I've like never rationalist... fucking heard of this guy <laughs> really you would love him I feel I mean you're you maybe are a little bit too old but I think that you be. would love him um, rationalist adults because I don't think I knew any as a child but they tend to be like polycytypes, types which is like one of the fakest fields that you can study confirmed it is not Ugh. it is not real I and can it's confirm. full Lonks. of absolute losers um and they are people that will say things like totalitarianism is a real problem and you're like what does that mean and they're like i got to i got to <laughs> reference both stalin and hitler going to put them in the same sentence that's that's a rationalist. Totalitarianism <laughs> is bad because of what I read in www.ciaworldfactbook.gov. <laughs> <laughs> and they do they do love to debate um, because I think that they like cut their teeth watching a lot of like atheist versus evangelical things, and it was like the closest that they came to experiencing joy, like watching an uh, evangelical get eviscerated by the an atheist. And they want to do that too so bad. Epic rap battles of history, and absolutely and they never stopped. Um, yeah. So those are, those are our rationalists. Now you know what they are as people. Now you know what they believe. Um, and here is how our online community got its start. As with many things, there were once two guys that sucked. Their names, uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky and Robin Hansen, no relation. And they are the terrible guys behind today's story. They like wrote a rationalist blog called Overcoming Bias, and they got paid to blog, um, which I feel like is fucked up, but Overcoming Bias was funded by the Future of Humanity Institute at Oxford, and like I said, motif of the episode, all Western institutions of higher education that aren't the Evergreen State College, evil. That just sounds like evil a TV show college. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Middle schoolers that are listening I mean, to this, <laughs> take a moment to think about your college applications, which are they're coming consider up. Consider Evergreen. <laughs> you should consider Evergreen. It was a great school. I had a great time, um, and I w- would like to provide some evidence for my claim because I'm trying to trying to make a point to all of the little logic boys out there that they don't know what they're talking about. So I'm saying that all of the um, higher education institutions that aren't Evergreen are evil. My proof is that they produce evil. Robin Hansen, evil we're going to find out. And here are the schools that he went to. University of California, University of Chicago, Caltech. Shit, we're going. Oh, oh man. Go. They're like in Ugh. sequential order of evil. A triple yeah. hitter. Okay, fun fact yeah. about University of Chicago that anyone can look up anytime. 
There's these two guys named Leopold and Loeb from the early 1900s, and they were these two really wealthy University of Chicago students who murdered their teenage cousin because they wanted to demonstrate their superior intellect, which would enable them to carry out the perfect crime and not get caught. But obviously the reason that we know their names is because they got caught within like 24 hours. And that is that kind of sums up the University of Chicago experience to me. But anyway, Robin Hansen, no relation. Born August 28th, 1959 which makes him a Virgo, just like Kendall. Just like Kendall. In addition to being a Virgo. My my community. (laughs) He's also... Just all... I have so many communities filled with so many annoying people. The autism community, the Virgo community, (laughs) the Kennedy clan. The bisexual community. Um, Oh, yeah, the the blue-eyed devils. Uh, So Mm -hmm. he was an economist. This is another field of study that's fake. I would say that as far as jobs go, economists rank maybe like they they rank slightly higher than some of the other fucked up professions like evolutionary psychologist or stand up comedian or magician um, or small business owner. Because like sometimes Marxists are economists, so they might be okay. But Robin Hanson was not a Marxist and he did not know about the dialectic and that led him to create one of the dumbest ideas I have ever heard, which is why I brought Greg on because it is so dumb that I need help understanding it um, called predictions markets, also known as ideas, futures. And Greg, why don't, why don't you give us like the Wikipedia definition of, of ideas, futures, and then maybe you can help me understand okay. what's going on. Okay. So Wikipedia says, Ideas futures are open markets where specific outcomes can be predicted using financial incentives. Essentially, they are exchange-traded markets created for the purpose of trading the on, miss, the out, for the purpose of trading the outcome of events. The main purposes of prediction markets are eliciting are eliciting aggregate what? I, I feel know. like there should be a comma there. I don't know. They, or, let, they, let, any, they let anyone <laughs> they do, open they it. Do. They let they anyone do. edit it. It's, the main, purpose, it's not a good the main source. purposes of prediction <laughs> markets are eliciting, <laughs> aggregating beliefs over an unknown future outcome. Traders with different beliefs trade on contracts whose payoffs are related to the unknown future outcome, and the market prices of the contracts are considered as the aggregated belief. I feel like some of these sentences could there's, have been shorter, but what I... None of these words what are in the Bible. What I gathered from this. Actually, some of these words are in the Bible because, like, <laughs> you're supposed to, I th- I'm pretty sure that, like... Mm, All of these things are banned in the Bible. To do the, yeah, I think, I think you go to hell. I think you go to hell for doing a lot of this stuff. But it seems um, like fantasy football, basically, to me, where it's, like, you are trying to, like, predict what's going to happen in the future by taking all of the information that you have about what whatever topic is available, and then you're placing some monetary, um, they're probably not calling them bets, but monetary like something on, on why they think this outcome is going to happen. And then someone else looking at all of the bets that are, that are like happening around a topic is deciding that like one outcome is more likely than another because of how many people 
decided to put their money on it. So it would mm-hmm. be like fantasy football, but if like then the the football <laughs> coaches are so, they the coaches that um, the ones that cast the teams, but then they they pick they pick the new players based on who everyone uh, wants to be on their team. Y- um, y- uh, yes. Um, can I give an example? From Greg, you're a man. Don't you know about this? I, yeah, I do. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, fantasy football is a, g- a good and a bad one because it's it's almost. It's almost too simple and too complicated at the same time. A good way to think of this is if you're a hyper online white man in your 20s, okay? Put yourself in those shoes, mm. right? You Weird. you have you have Reddit on your phone. You're going into a community called Wall Street Bets every day. Okay? You're looking at it. You're seeing what other people are posting, okay? And let's say they're posting about a a, a fictional oil company. Maybe we'll call it Royal Dutch Shell, okay? Fictional. We don't know no idea who that is. Um, and let's say, yeah. obviously, they're based in the Netherlands. So maybe they owe me money. maybe you see on the maybe you see on the news that massive floods are predicted to occur in the Netherlands. You know, because it's a country that shouldn't exist. It is. It exists under the ire of God. So and they owe and me they money. Owe, they they owe <laughs> Virgil money. So. Let's say you go and post on Wall Street Bets. Hey, the headquarters of fictional oil company Royal Dutch Shell is going to flood in these massive biblical floods that the Dutch deserve. Let's all trade stock options on Dutch on Shell that say the price is going to go down. And then you get a bunch of people in this moron community of Redditors to agree with you. And so you all wait. Is this is a stock option money? A stock option is, is a money. stock auction different than a stock. So a stock option is different than a stock in that you are paying one tenth of the price per share. You're buying, a, but it is money. It is money. You're playing with money. It's essentially exponential. And, and you're putting you're putting money on the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your gains and losses that are both exponential. That is a real world outcome. Yeah. Um, okay. So all right. I'm following. You all put in money, saying the price is going to go down. And inshallah, the flood takes inshallah them. that whole country gets wiped from the face <laughs> of the earth. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the flood happens. You've all bet correctly as a community, you all profit from you betting that the stock goes down. However, other 50% of the time, what happens is, is damn it all to hell, the Dutch sure are good at building flood walls, and headquarters doesn't flood, stock price goes up. Now you are all in the hole exponentially you lose an exponential amount of money because you are playing with one tenth of the money but you're still losing or gaining 100% of the value so that's that's what a that's a prediction market okay so it so it's a real like high state betting exactly, on the horses exactly type of gambling addiction mm. okay so our guy robin hansen he he like I don't think he came up with this, but he um, really like popularized and was the person involved in the creation of the first ever uh, ideas futures corporate market. And I guess that prior to his mark on the world, that this this was only happening like outside of uh, corporate predictions and the. Um, idea of ideas futures is based on a hypothesis 
that Robin Hansen, no relation, and uh, the other guy, whose name I'm forgetting now, um, but it's called The Efficient Market Hypothesis, which is also a chapter title of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. But The Efficient Market Hypothesis is a hypothesis that states that asset prices reflect all available information. And a direct implication is that it is impossible to beat the market consistently on a risk-adjusted basis since market prices should only react to new information. This is another example I feel of like these guys having a very different idea of like what makes a logical argument than than I do because they're saying that asset prices reflect all available information. And I'm reading that and thinking... I need you to provide some evidence for that claim. And they go, and so yeah, what exactly? And they go, so therefore, what's therefore <laughs> it's impossible to beat the market. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I follow that the acid prices are reflecting all available information. But this is really just like libertarian, like pure. Cause, Cause it's like, what are the what are the acid prices being of how are the asset prices it being is determined? Pure, pure, pure. Well, if we open up our economies of capital, we'll be able to, to, assu- to assume. Yeah. We can explain it, this. It, it operates under this assumption that, like, an asset price lives no, in like a it doesn't vacuum live in a sealed sphere. It lives in a, it, like a highly okay. information charged world where the asset is price okay. is determined by the information that is available, and the asset's price reflects that available information. So if we think about um, a and it place can't possibly be that every, we, we all love to buy assets from, the Big Story Naturals merch store, bigstorynaturals.church, and we look at the available mm-hmm. assets that are available there, such as very nice t-shirts, such as soft very sweatshirts. nice sweatshirts, and then we look at how much they cost. Some beans. And we say, whoa, $40 for a t-shirt? That's kind of expensive. <laughs> like, why is it Why is it high. $40? That's a sort of a lot of money. And then you go, oh, but the asset price reflects the asset value this is a high value t-shirt and it must be worth forty dollars because if it wasn't worth forty dollars then it would be priced less than that exactly because the and asset that is price say, is reflective of the information of it and that's go, why a one-bedroom apartment runs no, for four thousand dollars in any city in america yeah that's yeah. the that's an asset yeah. or, or actually an even better example like not that the big story naturals merch store which is big church <laughs> isn't a great place to look at assets and contemplate their high value but i think an even better example would be the uh most recent like debacle with the taylor swift concerts where the i mean mm-hmm. this isn't just taylor swift although i think that like her uh tactics um of of like ticket sales implicate like had an impact on this but this isn't a ticket master issue where they don't have set prices and the prices are algorithmically driven based on uh attention and so like when more people are looking at the tickets then the prices go up and if people are not buying the tickets and not looking at them then they go down so when someone like taylor swift who is um for God knows what reason, a big deal with a lot of fans sends out an email announcement to all of her fans saying like ticket presale is on and then everyone is looking at it at once. And then the tickets suddenly rise 
to eight thousand dollars for a single ticket because that is the algorithm trying to do an ideas future on us and saying that this asset Mm -hmm. price of eight thousand is reflecting the information that it has which is like all the eyeballs on it and the asset price would drop if they're if the information changed, I wish we could just do old fashioned. I wish we could just do old fashioned. Yeah. Like, what happened to, to scalping? Merch. Just what like, happened just to, to ticket do, scalping? Bring that yeah. back. What happened to scalping? <laughs> what happened to like, like even just like with with just regular sales of just material goods? Like what happened to just being like this is a highly sought after collector's item? Or like this the ads that I had to watch while I was at, at my in laws because they have cable TV that were like. We're liquidating all of these like non-stick pans tomorrow. Just like call well, now and get like forty of them for four easy yeah. payments of fifty nine ninety nine. Those days are like, gone. Just do that, and it's all thanks to Dumbledore's hole. Um, <laughs> I have I have something else that I think that you're all gonna love. So we're we're asking the question. Can uh, Ideas Futures, which we all agree is a fantastic concept that's super useful, can it be used to predict other stuff? And uh, you might be surprised that if you're asking that you have something in common with the U.S. Department of Defense. In July 2003, they published a policy analysis market on their website, which was created by Robin Hansen and speculated that additional topics for markets might include terrorist attacks. A uh, critical backlash quickly denounced the program as a terrorism futures market, (laughs) and the Pentagon hastily canceled the idea. Um, I can't imagine why people might not like the idea of doing Wall Street bets on when 9-12 is going to happen. Um, I wonder if maybe having such a thing in existence would incentivize the people that are running the the Wall Street bets for 9-11 to do another 9-11 since they were the ones that did the first one. But I don't know. <laughs> Robin, Robin Hansen, founder of uh, like Overcoming Biases is a big deal if you care about bad stuff. He got a glowing write-up in one of Nate Silver's books because he was so good at predicting things, and now he works for Oxford University. And here's something else. When you read his interviews and they ask him what he's what he's doing, he says he works for Oxford, but he also says that he does consulting for the U.S. Defense Department. He doesn't say what he does. But, like, the Pentagon allegedly canceled their Wall Street bets for terrorism, right? So what's he doing? Because he only does one thing. He builds he builds ideas futures. So I think that they're still doing bets. I think they're still doing terrorism bets. He's, he's doing um, work for Nancy and Pelosi I, I've also, directly. like, never heard. This, I've never heard this of, feels like, like a... the Pentagon, like, canceling programs due to public backlash. Like, actually. Like, I... This feels like a market, like a market value version of the mm-hmm. terrorism color code chart from the early two thousands, yeah. where they're just like, if it's in the if it's yeah. in the red, buy, buy, well, buy. And the, the crazy and thing the green, is that sell, they sell, commissioned sell. him to start like creating the structure for the ideas futures terrorism betting market in May two thousand one. So like, not even like a, a 
like barely six months after 9-11 and they're like hey <laughs> do you want to do you want to start doing like horse racing on when when the next one's gonna be what do you think um last thing on robin hansen for now is that he also wants to live forever and he has already paid for his brain to be frozen walt disney style when he dies um so next up it's fucking amazing i just i (laughs) like what these guys and their like spooky obsession with the macabre but like not in like a fun way they're not like fun like oh i'm gonna sleep in a coffin and like have a fun time they're just you, like you made the the terrorism Wall Street bets. You know that you are going to hell. <laughs> I don't even be, I don't even believe in hell. You're right, and, yeah. but you know that you're going to hell. Like when you die, like it's just not going to be good it's for you. Sunken place for and all. And so of I feel like mm-hmm. I don't think that white people go to the sunken place. I think the sunken place is just get out. Everybody goes to the sunken but the, place. I think. <laughs> Listeners, sound off. Can white, can white people can go, white to, people the go to the sunken place? place? Let me know. As an Are Italian, can I, I go to the sunken place? Know. I think that Here, Italians live question. there. What is the white people's sunken place? Connecticut. Utah. Um, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. They go, they, they go to Connecticut, they hang out okay, with the eternal okay. worm. Got it. I think that this whole I want to live forever thing is like a fear... Um, probably justified of divine retribution because when when this guy dies like there's just there's no way that if there's any any justice in the world and i believe that there is whether it comes from god or whether it comes from the 3d printed gun that one of our listeners is going to send me one day um he's gonna have to face it and if he doesn't have to deal with like the reality of death then <laughs> he doesn't have to like worry about how he's living right now so that our our next guy who founded less wrong um and who worked on this rationalist blog with robin henson is um eliezer and information about his background is a little bit more elusive to me because he is lying he is a liar um <laughs> but here's what we do know he's bored on the worst day <laughs> Born on the cursed day. The towers crumbled on his motherfucking birthday. <laughs> birthday. Get your mind right. Get the time right. It's 9-11. Time's I'm a Virgo. Right. Get my sign right. I'm a Virgo. Get my yeah. sign right. Um, Eliezer Shlomo Yudkowsky is a 9-11 baby, but he's born 9-11-1979. So he got to have a couple birthdays before a certain event that maybe he placed bets on exactly. himself occurred maybe that was his birthday present to himself which by the way kendall if you're keeping score mm-hmm. also makes him a virgo yeah um so that's two i know uh, <laughs> i know i'm in pain and this is how i think he's a liar because he claims to be an autodidact which like is just fancy for he says he's self-taught and that he didn't go through any formal schooling Ugh. like no high school no college like all the like all the the sharks on Shark Tank that like to talk about how they're dyslexic and it was I don't a real think struggle. he even says he's dyslexic. Um, he was just like I'm too smart for the school, and he said that he was teaching. Well, they also himself. call themselves like an art an autodidact because they like teach themselves and they pull themselves up First out of off, straps and like yada listen, yada. 
You can't say that you did self-taught college. That doesn't make any sense. College is literally just about getting the degree. Because I've read so many of the books that, like, mm-hmm. people that are in uh, grad school and that are in, like, getting their PhD or whatever have had. I can't say that I have a self-taught PhD. <laughs> like, it's literally just about whether or not you got I the mean, degree. You, can. you can't say that you're self-taught college. You can just say that you've, like, read a lot or that you've learned a lot. You could say you have a college-equivalent education if you'd like but you can't say that you're self-taught college get real he doesn't know what he's saying (laughs) and i don't believe that he's self-taught because he was raised i'm gonna start saying i'm 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 a self-taught harvard graduate (laughs) just see if that gets me anywhere you don't want to start associating yourself you don't you don't want to associate yourself as a a, well as a as a kennedy i kind of have to Right, since I didn't go to Harvard, but like I am That's a Ken- true. I am Did the a Kennedy, Kennedy women family. have to go to Harvard? They normally just got lobotomized. You know, currently, yeah. Um, it's not so much park the car and have a yard, <laughs> but more like you go to horse college. <laughs> more like insert the metal rod inside my skull. <laughs> well, I think that he's lying about being an autodidact, not only because like you can't be self-taught college, but also that um, he was raised like Orthodox Jewish and he's now an atheist. And I really do wonder if the like self-taught is just uh, putting a veneer on being like religiously homeschooled, um, which maybe is not as cool of a story. I don't know. That's just like, that's me making stuff up. But I, I do not believe that he taught himself through college. But his origins that we do know is that he ran a rationalist email list in the early 2000s. And the story goes that after failing to teach his list subscribers to use the Bayes theorem, which I thought about explaining to everyone, I like made myself learn it so I could <laughs> do that. And you know what? It's, it's like, it's probability shit. It's not that interesting. You don't need me to explain it. But he wasn't able to successfully teach his email list to, like, use and understand the theorem. And I guess it made him so dejected about the efficacy of a rationalist email list that he gave it up to work on AI safety research directly. And then he gave that up after he wasn't able to make as much progress as he wanted to on it. And so then he went back to trying to teach (laughs) rationality skills that he thought would be necessary to do AI safety research in order to create like the sustainable culture that would allow him to focus on AI safety research while continuing to train and find new AI safety researchers. So this is just a man... Who has failed? Zero points. Zero assists. Maybe (laughs) thirty-eight minutes. He got his high school diploma. (laughs) Then he would not have failed at sending out an email list. Middle schoolers who are listening to this, I need you to go to high school. I need you to graduate middle school and go to high school. (laughs) But here's a little here's a little hack (laughs) that they don't tell you about that I was gonna do, but then it made my dad sad, and I. I thought, like, I don't want to make my dad sad, but you could, you can drop out of high school like two weeks before graduation, then get your GED, and then if you have your GED, then you can use it to get like a ton of scholarship money if you apply to colleges like straight away, 
and you get way more financial <laughs> aid because there's like so much financial aid out there for, for people with GEDs that are trying to, to do higher education. But you're going to do really well on the GED test because it's just all high school stuff if you go straight through high school. And win, 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 you get to skip your high school graduation, which is absolutely going to be boring. My grandpa but died on mine. this is the mine. only time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sad. A girl sang for like literally uh, 15 minutes because she kept Jesus. breaking down in the middle because she was like, and just uh, at one point just openly sobbed, screamed, I'm going to miss, miss those Friday night lights. lights. <laughs> and everyone went, aw. Famously, yeah. it was valedictorian right up until two weeks before graduation. <laughs> Uh, and flunked a test on purpose so I wouldn't have to give a speech because I was like, that is dumb. And I got all the benefit that I wanted out of being valedictorian, which was like getting to say that I was for Mm -hmm. college applications and stuff. And then as soon as it didn't matter and it was just like about getting to make a speech, I was like, nope, that is not for me. And um, I handed that position off to someone who quoted Drake. Oh, hell Um, yeah. Middle schoolers never quote Drake, I quote a Drake in a speech. As Drake, a Drake lyric was my senior quote. It's in the yearbook. Is it started from the bottom? Now we're it's here. It's nothing was the was same. The... Okay, <laughs> middle schoolers Ooh. never quote Drake. I was, I was, I was in... number nine hundred and thirty-three. <laughs> no, I think it. out of a class of eleven hundred kids. Out of what? <laughs> oh, that's not too good. I still got a full that's, fucking that's ride, like, everybody. You can do it. To where, though? Like, Brigham Young University? You know, uh, I went to a private school for a little while, and then I went to University of North Carolina. But neither of them were the Evergreen neither State College. Neither of them College, were Evergreen so. State College, so really, I got a Institutions of education. Evil. Yeah. So anyway, when he when he wasn't lying, failing, writing fan fiction or writing it for him, um, Eliezer is a research fellow at the Machine Intelligence Research Institute, which he's a co-founder of. And that is located in Berkeley for anyone that's interested in paying him a visit. Berkeley is also one of America's most evil cities. So Eliezer and Robin ran their Oxford funded blog together until Eliezer moved his posts over to the forum that he started less wrong in 2009. And Kendall, as a as an yes. acolyte of John and Hank Green, doesn't the name <laughs> less wrong kind of remind you of like, uh, oh my God, what is it called? Like suck, suck less or the fault in our stars. The, Oh yeah. Um, no, no. They had a, a nonprofit that we did a podcast on that, that I've forgotten the, the name of. Yeah. Oh, uh, the Institute to Decrease World Suck, right? Like instead, because in, World Suck, World instead Suck. Instead of saying yeah. like um, correct, you're going less wrong, and instead mm-hmm. of saying like what is World Suck trying to like problems, they're like World Suck. It's the yeah. same kind of 2009, which is when this was founded, type of like liberal um millennial just like twee cutesy branding um and less wrong was never going to be the most popular website because it was like a rationalist uh like i don't know what you would call it a rationalist like salon for dorks but it wasn't insignificant like it got fifteen thousand views per day which is kind of a lot for like what it was 
Um, and Harry Potter and the methods of rationality was like significantly contributing to that viewership and like bringing in a lot of new people. And I guess it's like important context that the online rationalist community grew out of the Western atheist movement, which is one of the, the worst things that has happened. Um, and then like that grew into like what it was in less wrong before they moved on and created some of their own spaces. Why are we laughing? Greg, what's going on? Greg is furiously are you, are you an atheist? Because I have no problems with them. They just can't be Location. like. They can't be like that. Location. Okay, we're not there. We're not there yet. Okay, you need to hold hold your horses. Hold your horses. We're not done. All right, you're, you're getting ahead of my notes that I prepared. So I took so much time, and you're reading ahead. I've got a less So be quiet. Thing. No, be be quiet. You don't. We're not there yet. I don't even know what I'm going to say. Because I heard the words that you were using, and you have gotten ahead of where I am. And it's not going to make sense to my listeners who expect, they expect mm. structure and content. Dude, I'm joking. <laughs> the middle schoolers okay, who are hanging on to my every word. Okay. Okay. <laughs> They're they're so they're an hour and thirty minutes. And in yes, Kendall, wrapped. they are my listeners. I'm taking responsibility for the middle schoolers. They belong to me. <laughs> you Fair can enough. have the the Connecticut denizens. They can be your people. Anyway, all right. I am I am a bit of a bully. What Greg true. is laughing at is the less wrong community began conducting their own censuses in 2012. I wish that they had them like starting in 2009 when it was founded, but 2012 is the earliest one. So we're going to use that to illustrate some points. So like I said, they uh, like grew out of the atheist movement and of the 1250 responses, this was the breakdown of answers about religion. Um, Kendall, what, what are, why don't you do religious views? Let's hear it. Let's hear Absolutely. if it's surprising. Religious. So here, here's all the the listed um, religious beliefs. We have atheist, not spiritual. That's 880. I think we can just people. do percentages. Seventy four points. Because we said how many people it was. Okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, atheist, not spiritual. That's seventy four point three percent. Of less wrong, atheist and spiritual. Which what does that is mean? Nine percent, and then we. I guess like atheist, like I guess spiritual could be like astrology, but you don't believe in a higher power. But you're like, but I, I mean, I, I feel like astrology you're is like, still spiritual. Maybe you're into the idea. I bet, I bet they're into the idea of Buddhism no, you know what it, it is. Like they efficient. do, they do yoga. A lot of like tech mm-hmm. guys they do yoga. Like that's it. Yep, yep, exactly. All right. Atheist and does yoga, 9%. Agnostic, uh, 7.9%. Those are the people I have no respect for. Pick a side. Get real. To to me, I I feel like atheist and spiritual and agnostic are like the same boat, but whatever. Okay, but let's Um, add these up already. Because these are the like, this is all atheist, basically. And so we're (laughs) like 74 and 9 that's uh, 80, 83, and then another 8%, mm-hmm. uh, that's 91. So 91% of this community yeah. <laughs> is, is an atheist, atheist. And then we have so much. 
Then we have the the committed theist, the lukewarm theist, and the deist, uh, pantheist. That's like like multi no like not not like monotheistic. Okay, okay. I was I was gonna ask. Those are like I the, was, I wasn't the sure what that meant, Norse influencers on TikTok. Um, They're all pantheists. Well, they could, they could be. I mean, I, like I would they say that te- maybe they could be other things, but we're. I was going to make you guess about the demographics, but you clicked ahead. But. So, so they're they're all, like pretty much all white. So it's unlikely that it's stuff that <laughs> yeah. isn't like Norse, whatever. Yeah. But the politics um, section, but yeah, but that's that's three point one percent, two point three percent, and one point nine percent respectively. So that's a staggeringly low amount. And then the one point four percent who just didn't give an answer and left it blank. Yeah, um, I assume because they just went <laughs> blind for a second and just didn't see it and so the um the first question the online like rationalist community at the time like skewed heavily libertarian um they hadn't like figured out about neo-reactionary or like all of the other like weird shit that they're on now they were like still just like they would probably mark themselves as independent um on on their little voter ids fascism hadn't yet come back into vogue in 2012 so well yeah mm. i mean it was st- it was just like regular flavor being a republican then they hadn't splintered off to- into so many different groups and um they were like what um what was the thing that people used to say oh uh socially socially uh liberal fiscally conservative socially liberal right? fiscally conservative like, yeah racist who says that anymore yeah (laughs) they love racism and they love weed um but the like at the time these are the kinds of people that would have called themselves liberal because the bush administration was very like evangelical flavored um and so it wasn't about like Mm -hmm. aligning themselves with any sort of like progressive values but the politics breakdown has them in liberal 36 percent libertarian 30 percent a surprising number of socialists but i feel like if we put the word national in front of that it would be the same percentage 27 27.5 especially since that the communist um option is 0.7 percent and i feel like if you're a if there's such a meaningful distinction to you between the two and you don't see socialism as a step towards communism i i don't know if we're in the same we're in the same crew um yeah i i i'd like to meet i'd like to meet the 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 eight communists that are a part of less yeah, they're they're probably terrible um, send us an email or don't so we <laughs> we have to look <laughs> at know? this whole poll but we got to do it quick um let's take some guesses kendall what do you think the racial uh majority of the less wrong community white. is going to be okay, <laughs> and and by white. how much? Like, what do what do you white. think? How many white people, or like, what percentage? Oh, a wise? staggering amount. Somewhere in the nineties, like ninety percentile, the ninetieth percentile, definitely. Okay, that's a that's a good guess, Greg. I would make you guess. Fucking looking but, at it, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't you tell it? Why don't you tell us how many people are white? <laughs> Or what percentage? Um, so, uh, less wrong is made up of eighty four point six percent Caucasian individuals. Okay. Hmm. Oh wow. Okay. You know Let's, what? That's a little less than I thought. That's... Yeah, that just seems. I think like they're lie. lying though. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I think they're I think they're skewing their results a little bit. I also think it's funny. Go ahead. That they. I think it's funny that they put uh, gender. Well, this is. I was gonna ask. I was no one is doing this the way that I wanted them to do it because I was gonna have you guys guess. I won't. And you're not. You look. I haven't scrolled any further down. I haven't scrolled any further down than the race. Okay, 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 okay. It's fine. It's just like you, you know, you do so much, and then people they look ahead. Um, But if we were to guess. I'm the sorry. gender, the most the most popular <laughs> mm. gender. Maybe we would all have guessed already that it would be man. Um, yeah, they split up. Yeah, man, man, cis. Yeah, well, they split up sex and gender into two different groups um, because these guys were on mm. Tumblr at the time, and again, like they were, you know, calling themselves liberal, and this was like back when libertarians thought that it was cool to say like it's okay to be gay because it would piss off the evangelicals Mm -hmm. so they had like a rudimentary understanding of like gender and i don't think like any kind of meaningful uh solidarity with trans people but they were willing to acknowledge that they exist so they've got 89.2 percent man (laughs) as in sex and then yeah. 86.2% cis men, and then it's got some breakdowns of other stuff. Um, but that's, like, what I expected. I like the part where they say, uh, like, male parentheses, trans F, and then an arrow M. Um, <laughs> just something about that makes me chuckle a little bit. Like, female trans M arrow F, and, like, an ASCII arrow as well. So it's, like, an M dash and, like, a less than sign. Um, which feels like on it's a brand. very, a very, oh, very, very fucking weird rudimentary system they have going on here. I think yeah. that my um, favorite uh, other part of the poll might be when it's polling profession. Um, and I'm just going to go in order of uh, most to least popular. Yeah, I this. Tell me if you're surprised. Computers, math, engineering. <laughs> Computers, but in parentheses, academic. Um, like, I think maybe teaching others oh. to use computers. Physics, mm. uh, finance, slash econ. Computers, AI. <laughs> uh, philosophy, psychology, business, art, law, neuroscience, medicine, other social science, other hard science. I hate that distinction, but go ahead. Other, no answers, the final one. So... I think it's very funny that they have three different categories for computers. <laughs> like they needed to have three different categories for computers because there's many different distinctions. And then they just have one category for like, I don't know, other hard science, I guess. Hard science. <laughs> hard Real science, science. As opposed to as opposed to social or soft science. Yeah, real science. So next not your dumb that social I, science. I think would be uh, an interesting question for us all to think about is that the question was like, uh-huh. what disaster do you think is most likely to wipe out greater than 90% <laughs> of humanity before the year 20, uh, 2100? Um, fascinating question. If you were to ask me that question, I I would ask you to ask me a different question. I think I don't know if I'd give you an answer for that. That's not really how I'd like to think about the world. 
But the number one mm-hmm. answer is pandemic. And before you go, hey, maybe they've got us there, in parentheses, bioengineered. Um, <laughs> they still got us there, everyone. No. <laughs> All right. Um, following wait, that, we, like, wait, less wait, can of we, can a we stop threat. for a second? I think we need to go back just a little bit. Because I would like to address an elephant in the room. Wait, I have to, I have, to, I have to get to to this though, because n- number three, the number three most likely cause of wiping out greater than ninety percent of humanity, unfriendly AI. Just unfriendly. Well, because there could be a friendly AI. The singularity might be cool. Yeah. But what if the singularity sucks? <laughs> what if the singularity is mean? <laughs> Go ahead, Gray. I I think there's well, an elephant in the room bully. that we have we have not yet um, approached, and it's pretty on brand, I think, for Big Soy. Um, somebody please tell me why twelve percent of less wrong users are bisexual. Hmm. Why is that the biggest thing? Wow. Other th- no bitches. <laughs> they're opening up. Yeah, no they're opening bitches. up their possible mm-hmm. demographics. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like op- whatever. They're opening it up, just like how, just like how most of them prefer monogamous, but thirteen percent prefer. <laughs> no, it's not. It's that's they're, actually they're getting, they're that's not the the one that is funny to me. Thirteen percent preferring polyamorous. I accept that. That could be their preference. The thirty yeah. percent that say no preference. What? That's yeah, that's in that? Those are people who haven't what? yet finished the entire PowerPoint yeah, like, to get onboarded. They're like, yeah. I know, they're like, I'll take what like, I can just, get because I've got mm, nothing, and that is is further. I feel like they assume that this is this is a survey that's going to lead them to be like like matchmaked or whatever. Like they're they're going to find some other woman in less wrong. The that will be like assigned to them like your true incel thing behavior. That I find interesting is there is a disparity. Um, in one of the other relationship questions, which is number of current partners, uh, with the biggest answer being zero, at uh, 49.8%. That's not surprising to me. But then the relationship status, with the biggest answer being single, also not surprising to me, 53. Hmm. Why are more of them single, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, but less of them have zero partners? Some of these people are in a relationship and calling themselves single. They're like, I've got one foot out the door. I um, am not, I want- like, I guess, familiar enough with the, the general population statistics to know what it would be like if you took a sampling from, like, an average group where if you had a group of, like, 10 people, how many of them would be single and, and how many are not. But many of these people are young. They're, like, under 35, mm-hmm. um, which is, like... a an age where it's more common to be single than like, you know, past, past yeah. 35, past forties. I still feel like 50% is kind of high, but it, no, it maybe, is. maybe is the best it, for them. Also five of them to be are self-declared monarchists. What? What? Five of them are self-declared the monarchists, which is less uh alternative uh alternative politics questions mm-hmm. and the five percent five people not five percent self-declared monarchists three people self-declared fascists plus one who was up for fascism but only if he could be the leader um and 19 uh mold buggy in <laughs> that was an option I that might have been a right that might have been a write-in um but this is okay, this, okay. I, like 
something that I do find interesting. What's a mold buggy? Is that seventy six? Oh, you don't want to know. It's <laughs> I... Mencius mold bug. Um, is like a neo reactionary oh, okay. thought okay. leader. Um, he he's like okay. Nick Land, but if Nick like Nick Land is at least like kind of a fun writer, and Moldbug is a terrible writer and also a fascist. Okay. Um, but what I think is the last thing that I want us to look at is if you go to vegetarian, and you see that twelve uh, percent of them are vegetarian, which is higher than three point two percent of U.S. adults that are that are vegetarian. So. They've they've got nine nine percent up on that, and I think that's going to relate back to effective mm-hmm. altruism. Which now now it's time to get out of here. No more demographics. We're going to link it in the description. It's it's yeah. not fun to look at because it makes you sad for these people. Yeah, what I'm getting from this is that if I was a fly on the wall for the less wrong singles mixer, I might blow my brain. So you out. can go to that because um, they do have meetups. It's very, it's and they have, like, they happen before. in the Bay Area. Oh no. There's um, they, Yeah, they have meetups in, in the Bay Area. Oh. There's a, um, the, the, the next one, all right, <laughs> everybody is going to be at Elsewhere Garden Bar and Kitchen in San Antonio, Texas on Friday at six. So. Oh, do we like Texas listeners? Actually, pr- no. Protect yourself. You don't go, <laughs> don't to, go this. to this. Don't go you to don't, this. <laughs> don't no. go. Don't the go. The smell. It's like it's like going to a Mensa meetup. It's Middle like, schoolers, if you're yeah, listening to this, crazy, but also, do not go <laughs> to the less wrong. Do not attend. <laughs> I don't care if you get do not parental eat the permission. The less wrong meetup in San Antonio. <laughs> I don't care if your parents have <laughs> your permission, so you can't go. Um, so. Do not go in the ball pit. Do not eat the what chili. Were some major beliefs espoused by our rationalist thought leaders, and their and believed by their congregation, and what were their consequences? So we've got the efficient market hypothesis, which like came up with the ideas future. That's a Robin Hanson credit, even though he's sort of left the picture already. But he went through the trouble of writing up a model that all of these guys love to use um, for a new kind of governance that was based on these uh, exact ideas. And listeners, let me give you a little tip. If you're coming up with a new style of governance, (laughs) you need to give it a cool name. That's the that's the and maybe a name that doesn't relate yeah. to something. That's the else. main thing that I would do is give it a cool name so that people want to do it. Like Marxism, awesome. it's got an X in it. It sounds cool. Yeah. Um, Futarchy does not sound cool. Dork ass. But that thing. is the. Um, <laughs> I would never sign up to be in a futarchy. I would never throw a revolution for a futarchy. I would never occupy Wall Street to make a futarchy happen. But it is defined as uh, elected officials who define measures of national well being and prediction markets are used to determine which policies will have the most effect. So, in other words, that is, is what if we did Wall Street bets? to pick the laws. Mm-hmm. Why would this be a good idea? Well, uh, Robin Hansen wrote a paper to explain that, and I don't think that the paper explains those ideas very well, but as I've been saying, we really need to start teaching logic and rhetoric again in the schools because no one knows how to like 
write an idea. And so that is why I'm going to have Greg read in his own words, Robin Hanson's explanation for why this would be the best way to organize society. So, in Robin Hanson's own words, democracy seems better than autocracy, i.e. kings and dictators, but it still has problems. There are today vast differences in wealth among nations, and we cannot attribute most of these differences to either. We actually, oh? can you back up? Because yeah. I'm going to do a thing where I'm going to I'm going to hit a buzzer every time a claim is made <laughs> with no evidence given for it. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Start all right, over. All right, all right. <clears throat> <sighs> Democracy seems better than autocracy, i.e., kings and dictators, this but is... it still has problems. There are today vast differences in wealth among nations, and we cannot attribute most of these differences to either natural resources or human abilities. Instead, much of the difference seems to be that the poor nations, many of which are democracies, are those that more often adopt dumb policies. Policies which hurt most everyone in the nation, and even rich nations frequently adopt such policies. These policies are not just dumb in retrospect. Typically... There were people who understood a lot about such policies and who had good reasons to disprove of them beforehand. It seems hard to imagine mm. such policies being adopted nearly as often if everyone knew what such experts knew about their consequences. Thus, familiar forms of government seem to frequently fail by ignoring the advice of relevant experts, i.e. people who know relevant things. First, he All just right. missed imperialism completely. <laughs> like imperialism was like over here on the side, and he just like flew back. You know what we call this? Uh, in none of these differences can be attributed to natural no resources in, or human ability. In Hollywood, this is the sort of thing that we call insufficiently dialectical. Um, this, like this is like this is just the analysis of a fucking great. All of these. This is someone who works for the Defense Department and is, like, considered a genius. And he's making statements like, democracy seems better than autocracy, but it still has problems. Do I think that, like, a democracy is better than having a king? Yeah, but if I'm going to put that in a paper, I'll tell you why. Um, you can't just you can't just write that. And then also, like, it still has problems. Or just, like, like t- say more. Come on. Yeah. What are the problems? The problems are that people are, are vast oh, differences also, in. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm. Oh, just like the constant generalizations. Like there are vast differences Dumb. in wealth among <laughs> nations. Okay, but what yeah. are the, what, what's well, the difference? That... Like what, what exactly? What, this what is why I subscribe. The biggest <laughs> issue. That is. This is the biggest issue is that he's saying dumb. Like the policies are dumb in retrospect. Yeah. Oh yeah, they dumb. are adopting dumb policies. Dumb yeah, like how? what do you mean by dumb? This is dumb? why I subscribe like, to the Occam's Razor. This is why I to the Occam's Razor theory of American foreign it... policy. It's not always actively <laughs> evil. It's just run by stupid people. I feel like like that is also not sufficiently <laughs> dialectical. I I like it's just crazy to me that someone wrote this in a paper that was like here's here's my big idea for how we govern the world. And this is the opening paragraph with the opening sentence. Democracy seems better than autocracy. <laughs> like 99 theses seems Have you heard there is a specter haunting Europe? That's how you begin 
a paper about how we should organize society. <laughs> like, start us off with something that we yeah. can get excited about. Imagine you him trying to write a letter with Lenin. <laughs> Right, he'd get oh crushed. My God. But for the middle schoolers listening to this, this yeah. is exactly I don't even think Lenin what you would should respond. not do. I think you, you, you can't do that. The sender and just and and if I turned this I in in with... like undergrad, it would get oh, yeah. sent back to you me with like red marker all over the paper. But this is how rationalists like think that they get to write. Um, futarchy. Yeah. I love how it ends with like um fail by ignoring the advice of relevant experts i like why use many words when you want to do trick that is truly <laughs> that is a stunner also that is a he, stunner he of a sentence him. why not just <laughs> advice of experts him. he works he works for the dod i was i was telling virgil this over text before but do you think he just like writes things down on a post-it note whenever he wants to like do something important he's just like we need more bombs because it'll yeah, be better. Probably. This is and then like, he just kind of gives it to like some guy. Like, less, and they're less like, bombs yes. would be dumb. I feel like he read like the spark notes of <laughs> like Machiavelli's The Prince, right? And then he also has a copy mm. of like Adam Smith's, whatever the fuck that capitalism book is called. And then he just was like, I'm going to read the spark, the back of both of these. Wealth, Wealth of, nations? of Nations. I'm going to read the back of both of these books. And then I'm going to decide what American foreign policy in the global South should be based on that. So he actually does do bets on like what's going to happen in Iran and Israel next. That's that's one of his things. Oh, fun. So Futarchy um, is not a tried form of government, and uh, <laughs> God willing, it never will be. But it's intended to address the problems that he has so artfully um, laid out for us, which is that dumb policies are happening. Uh, and the way that it would address this is that democracy continues to exist because I guess democracy seems better, so we should keep it. But instead of doing regular ballot voting, instead, we all do betting markets. And so the elected representatives would formally define and manage an after the fact, like measurement of national welfare, while market speculators would say which policies they expect to raise national welfare. So like, we, we vote in Joe Brandon, we still get to do that. But then, like, what do we do? Well, that's up to the experts who place bets. They do their ideas, futures. And then Joe Biden, like, executes that. He reinvented classical um, Greek oligarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Greg, why don't, why don't you share more from um, his essay with us? Do you uh, cool green highlighted piece? Yeah. Futarchy seems promising if we accept the following three assumptions. Number one, democracies (laughs) fail largely by not aggregating available information. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Number two, that it is not hard to tell rich, happy nations from poor, miserable ones. Thank you. And number three, betting markets are our best known institution for aggregating information. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So the... Holy shit. like central idea here is that this would be like an unideological way of governing because it is based simply on the expert opinion of experts 
who are experts that know relevant things um, and that they would conduct betting markets, which is the best known institution for aggregating information. And then that would um, enable democracies to exceed, uh, succeed because the only reason that they fail is when they don't have enough information. Unfortunately, um, with the exception of the immortal science of Marxism-Leninism, nothing is outside of ideology. So he's already failed at the start there. But this is, I feel like, very um, like classic rationalism where something that's happening is like the actors are assumed... I like I would say that they're assumed to be apathetic, but I guess the way that they would describe it is that they're assumed to be rational rational meaning that they always act Mm -hmm. in their best interests and so you would never get a group of people who are experts on a subject that would like bet in a way that would undermine um their like long-term best interests in order to um maximize their future like their short-term best interests even though that's exactly what experts or alleged experts who like run corporations do all I'm the time. I'm just confused because um, it seems to run into an immediate logical fallacy. Like there's a, there's a few, but it, like immediately <laughs> it runs into one because it like there's it assumes about a billion. Let, let's say it assumes rational actors within the government, mm-hmm. but you can be a rational actor in say the like Department of Health and Human Services and a rational actor in like the Department of Infrastructure and have completely opposing things, completely opposing ideas that affect the same thing. What? what he has no solution for anything. Because it, it's assuming that like this system would be inherently unideological, but you like can take, I mean, we have, we have like uh, relevant examples, which is that Microsoft, Google, HP, and the Defense Department all use ideas futures to create company and state policy and they've been doing this for over two decades in some cases and uh the i i don't think that anyone could say that the the defense department has (laughs) (laughs) um has only taken beneficial actions like even if we're just saying not benefit all people that benefit like its own interests, um, like being yeah. the United States, like if that's what it's claiming to do, or that Microsoft, Google, and HP, like that all of the actions that it has taken based on like using predictions markets had led to beneficial for all people outcomes because it, it is assuming always- I don't know what you're talking about. Google Glass was a hit I, and so is, so is Google It is Glass. assuming constantly that <laughs> rational means unideological. And so if like you're putting uh, experts in medicine in a betting market to determine like medical related policy- you are deciding that because they are experts in their field that the decision that they make is going to be one that is just like objectively beneficial and not one that is like guided by their beliefs about what they think should be beneficial, which is like a pretty huge distinction. But as as rationalists, they don't really like engage in that kind of thing. And so they only think of like people acting irrationally when they're talking about like actors outside of their own little theorems. But when they're trying to propose like what a perfect world would be like, they don't they don't um, 
they don't make room for for those kinds of thoughts. So not only has HP Google, the Defense Department, like made use of these ideas, this idea is also really popular with our friends on the blockchain. Um, Vitalik Buterin, the co-creator of Ethereum, mm. posed this question. He said, what if with the modern with the power of modern information technology, we can encode a mission statement into code that is create an inviolable contract that generates revenue, pays people to perform some function, and finds hardware for itself to run on, all without any need for top-down human direction. What if? Um, Ethereum is like aiming to automate management through code, and so it, or this, this guy, um, helped create a project with millions of dollars in funding behind it that is run on the Ethereum blockchain called the DAO. Um, Kendall, would you like to tell us how the DAO works? I sure <laughs> would. <laughs> the DAO are code-made organizations. Uh, again, this is written very poorly. Uh, the DAO are court. The DAO are code-made organizations called distributed anonymous organizations, and funds-based blocked uh, funds blockchain-based startups with no management. <clears throat> Anyone with a project can pitch to and receive investment from the DAO. Only those who own DAO tokens. Just another chunky. <laughs> That's me. Can... That was me. I okay. put that in there. It's a second token because you can get the Ethereum token, but you, then you got a sec. You have to get a second yeah. token in order to participate in the DAO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you need too many two tokens. tokens. Uh, only those who own DAO tokens will be able to vote on which projects are funded by the DAO and receive rewards if those projects are made have made returns so essentially like everyone who has a dao token is like a deputy board member yeah it's so basically rather than me white don draper style pitching my big startup idea to venture capitalist greg and angel investor kendall <laughs> and i say you're gonna want to give me you're gonna want to give me all your money and i, I give you i do such a good job mm -hmm. pitching my pitch because i've got away with words and i've got away mm. with people too um, and after everyone sees how much money the two of you have given me, two very successful people, entrepreneurs in your own right, um, everyone else is like, oh, I want to get in on the ground floor of Banana Coin, and they, they're my B-round investors, and so on and so on. Rather than any of that, which uh, I guess is, I don't know, like it's not efficient enough because it's relying on like uh, variables that have nothing to do with the success of the company and like could have things to do with like charisma or vibes. They're taking that element out. They're anonymizing it. So now we have an idea for a startup that is pitched and funded on the blockchain, which means that the funding for it is uh, democratic based on just like where, where people want to throw their tokens um, and we're anonymous. And so now you're not being influenced by um, who else has already given their money. 
but instead you're just giving your tokens to what you think is the best idea. I think that there's an inherent flaw in this, which is that like the ability to like convince people to give you money to start your business is probably a good indicator that you will be able to convince like customers or clients mm. that they want to um, pay money for whatever like product or service you're, you're providing. Because even if your concept is really good, if you like, I don't know, are bad at uh, talking to people, you might be bad at uh, like interfacing with customers or having employees or writing a sentence. But what do I know? This has gotten millions of dollars in funding. It has been described as a radical experiment oh, that could oh. make the future of decentralized government governance happen. Um, and the idea has been described as this. Um, a system in which only those who buy tokens can vote is not an experiment in democracy, but plutocracy. Yet the appeal of Ethereum is that it provides a platform for those who don't want to build a private blockchain to create, organize, and govern. This opens um, blockchain technology up to a world far beyond helping big financial corporations and markets achieve efficiency gains. Um, so that was like the the intent behind this was to try to test out Futarchy. And I think that we should check in on this in like a year <laughs> And see, see how yeah, that this whole, went. This whole thing reeks. Um, this is stinky. <laughs> I think the final final idea maybe for today is effective altruism. Our old Let's friend, go. we covered this in the previous uh, episode. It is one of the dumbest, dumbest things out there. I know that we said that, that it's not a good argument to say dumb, but it's it's just so, so dumb. So Less Wrong defines Ugh. it as a movement trying to invest time and money in causes that do the most possible good per unit investment. Uh, EA, which is like um, effective altruism as an uh, acronym, but it is also the um, word that they're using for the unit. Like you can, you can also measure. the acronym for electronic arts that makes The Sims and FIFA. Not related to that. <laughs> It's not a but good but, yeah. but like so, a no relation. A good act could have a uh, quantifiable amount of EAs that you can rank up against other good acts. And so you'll remember our friend Caroline Ellison, who could not manage to throw her sweatshirt in the dryer even once, um, ranked. I think that would be an effective altruistic thing to do for herself. Well, but. yeah, and maybe maybe that's why she didn't do it because she ranked it up against all the other kinds mm. of altruism that she could do, and she was like, having <laughs> having clothes that aren't wrinkly is just not an, yeah. an efficient mm -hmm. use of my time. It's but she optimal. was ranking what it was like anti Asian discrimination in, in colleges above like malaria um, in terms of like quantifiable negative impact and. As we said at the time, it is kind of impossible to rank human suffering, um, but they try it. I th I think that this it, it is like turning the trolley problem into like a life mission where you're not really mm -hmm. supposed to do the yeah. trolley problem. It's just a thing to think about. The problem is... But you don't have to turn that the, into your real and life. And the problem is most of these fucking dorks are pulling the lever to send it down more people every time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
effective yeah. altruists are supposed to care about three things in order to determine whether or not something is effective. So scale, it, um, which they define as helping more people, is always better than something which helps less people. Impartiality, and impartiality relates to all things um, from geography to species, and then the one that I think is the most key is time. So, <laughs> Kenny, why don't, why, don't you, why don't you tell us what, what they have to say about why oh. they shouldn't be... Um, you know like ranking species above each other yeah yeah they 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 just have to that was why that girl was saying Uh, that like mass fish farming was a bigger deal than covid yeah crazy yeah yeah that's probably why one of my coworkers also said that um animal cruelty is like the same as racism in like 2018 if you Um, think about it in a certain way (laughs) Then you think about it in the wrong way, altruistic um, way. You can come to any conclusion <laughs> yeah. you want. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is from this is from the less wrong explanation. Um, on a deeper level, EAs say that species is not the marker of moral worth. If we had evolved from dolphins rather than apes. Oh god, this is the kind of fucking argument I hate. If we had evolved from dolphins rather than apes, would we would we be would we be less deserving of moral consideration? Shut the fuck up. If if logic it does follows, not. it implies I'm oh, sorry, hold on. I need to get into character. <clears throat> if logic follows, it implies significant lo- <laughs> significant low cost opportunities to improve welfare. You can't say yeah. if if the logic then, follows. Let me just, let me just fucking. It, it does. It doesn't. Yeah. Let me just fucking say. You know, this is something. This uh, this this fucking logically. this whole quote right here is something we deal with on the Gorilla Radio Show quite often with our good friends at um, PETA. Okay, this is a PETA ass argument, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're the mm-hmm. dumbest motherfuckers alive because to them, PETA's effective altruism is killing thousands of dogs. Like, it is also actually, yeah. it is not, it is more aside from the way that, that PETA lives their lives, it is not, it is not realistic, like expectations for human behavior. Yeah. Because if you are ranking, um, quantity over uh like everything if like that's that's more important to be able to save more lives than less and you are declaring all species as equally valuable to each other uh, i i simply do not believe that unless the race of the people in question <laughs> is a different one than your own that you think is a lesser one that you would if given the choice between like saving um th- three foxes that are in danger versus saving like one person you'd be like well there's mo- there's more foxes three is greater than one if that mm. follows then therefore I got it. <laughs> I would like to meet. I would like to meet the fox that has a bigger impact on infrastructure than just. Well, like yeah, one they'd human be like, you know, logic who drives logically, the, the person has a greater like uh, harmful, negative environmental output than the three foxes, and there are also three foxes and one person. So therefore, 
uh, I must. <laughs> it's just that, like no one thinks like that. They don't think like that. And it is, um, I think like, it is a deeply mm-hmm. unsincere yeah, it's, argument. It's not it makes sincere no and it's sense. not like setting up its adherence to like follow through on this moral philosophy successfully because at the moment you try to put it into practice, you're going to run up against like, do I save my cousin's fish tank or do I kill my cousin, <laughs> my baby cousin who's killing all of her fish? Like, <laughs> it's just not, it's not you know real. What? If we evolved from dolphins rather than apes, you know what we'd be doing? We'd be and sucking it would be in amazing. More. That's what we'd be doing. We'd be having big orgies. But this is, <laughs> so this is where it gets worse. Greg, I need you to read the next, the next part. Cause this is like where it gets real Should bad. I read like two and three or just two? Yeah. Okay. This refers to the idea that if there are many future generations, hundreds or even thousands more, um, and their lives are as valuable as ours, then even very small impacts on all of their lives or things like moving good changes forward in time or bad ones back, what the fuck, (laughs) far outweigh impacts on people who are currently alive. Because this concept is less broadly accepted than charity for currently alive people, Long-termist solutions are also generally considered to be neglected. This is um, huh. this is how come is this, is it, we're being ableist against the unborn far in the future. Well, like yeah, like like several generations okay, okay, okay. ahead. Let me, let me, um, long-termist interventions generally focus on S risks (parentheses suffering risks) or X. Risks, oh, risks, parentheses, existential <laughs> risks. Examples right. of long-termist interventions include AI safety, <laughs> pandemic preparedness, uh, yep. and nanotechnology uh. security. Okay, listeners and middle schoolers, if you <laughs> are creating a new term such as S-risks, and it doesn't make sense in the sentence unless you spell it out in the in the long version of the term. Then you maybe should not do it, even if it makes your sentence sound mm-hmm. like a cool math problem. Like maybe it's not needed. I think the only time you should be talking about X risks is as a middle schooler is when someone at the X Games like breaks their but, elbow. Okay. That was an X risk. What's not mentioned in here, because I think that like maybe they know what they're doing on their their front facing what is effective altruism page, is that there are some other kinds of suffering risks that they like go into more detail on um, in their forums and various blog posts by Eliezer and other effective altruists about it, where a suffering risk is like disabilities, diseases. Um, and I don't, I don't have any issue with like trying to fund research to eradicate like diseases that hurt, you know, that like kill people. It would be great if we could get rid of cancer. Cancer is bad. I question what some of these people consider disabilities and diseases, um, and what kinds of like suffering they they want to um eradicate i think that many of these people watched the movie idiocracy uh i (laughs) i think that many of them were influenced deeply by the plot of idiocracy and they are afraid of a future where the plants drink gatorade or something 
I, it's been a long time. Um, the plants need Veronica. They got electrolytes. Really, <laughs> am I'm concerned about the amount of people influenced by this uh, kind of like moral guideline, especially considering how many of them happen to be billionaires that have convinced themselves that the best and most altruistic use of their money is to like basically do eugenics because it would benefit future generations and that even though like Mm -hmm. that might not seem altruistic to people right now because as it mentioned like thinking about future generations isn't considered um a form of charity that like it is it is one because you're trying to benefit other people i feel like we see this with um elon musk who's gonna come up i guess in episode part part two of this where he is really like focused on uh fertility right now and like yeah yeah he's like talking um, about like creating future replacement rate and stuff which like as far as i know yeah as a human species we are at replacement rate replacement rate is just like when the number of humans being born is equal to the number of humans dying which is like an important thing to have because you don't want to have like a bunch of really old people and no young people that's that's probably not a good um, good recipe for success but we are at replacement rate we are not at replacement rate if you are looking at like just white people um but i thought Mm -hmm. that we weren't supposed to do speciesism (laughs) and so (laughs) And so shouldn't all of these yeah, people we, actually just be like we start quantified getting... in the same way? But it, like clearly they're not. And like the the like one of the accepted aims of effective altruism is like to promote stuff that they happen to think is going to benefit people long term, which is how you end up with characters like Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos putting all of his effort into like the space going into space. Um because he feels like that is going to be beneficial for humanity at some point rather than like throwing his body into mm-hmm. the sea and letting the sharks do what they mm-hmm. may with him. I mean, this was something that was brought up like when Elon Musk was like found out to have a um, employee that he had twins with. And then after that, to I having the children. he has a problem. He is addicted to having children but then the reporter who reported on that story um, then went deeper and found out it's a it's a very common belief within the tech world of a lot of tech people pairing up based on their smarts. Yes, yeah, because that's effectively and believing yeah. that they will Gattaca their way into you know eugenicsing a bunch of genius babies who will. This save effectively the world, altruistic because, is because if you're altruism. thinking about future yeah. generations, what's going to benefit future generations? Obviously, More unfuckable my, nerds, like, obviously. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If my my obviously, baby is going to get a perfect SAT <laughs> score, um, <laughs> and be absolutely insufferable but we'll, to we'll be around, will not win a debate club because they get they get nervous on stage. They're they're scared. Mm-hmm. Um, that's this will be social made. anxiety. I, they were like 15, 16 commandments for like effective altruism axioms. They're, we don't need to hear about all of them, but I think that, uh, let's see, the one that I think is important is 
scope sensitivity. Um, that's commandment number five. They said shut up and multiply. Two or twice as good um, as as one. Um, and impartiality, like beyond close friends and family, we should treat all others equally. That's a really interesting uh, like caveat. It's like I thought everyone was valued equally, um, but it's mm-hmm. fine if it's your close friends and family. This is a loophole. It doesn't for, make a lot is, of it's sense. It's a loophole to allow um, gay jokes with the homies. That's all it is. And yeah, <laughs> this is how I know for sure that that they're cool with eugenics because on the less wrong page, which clearly has not been updated in the past month, they've got a list of currently um, effective altruist billionaires. And the two that are confirmed for sure effective altruist billionaires are Dustin Moskowitz and Kari Tuna. Dustin Moskowitz is one of the Facebook founders. Kari Tuna is his wife. I don't know if she's like, if she does stuff in her own right or if That's she's a, just the wife. And I'm sorry name. if I'm being misogynist. Yeah, yeah I was good. <laughs> yeah, but so they're, they are the only two that are for sure confirmed effective altruists and... I am not really sure what like gives them more of a right to that spot than the other people listed. I'm not too familiar with either of them, but from what I was able to learn, they have given a lot of money to charity and have like promised that they're going to give even more before they die. On the maybe list of who's maybe doing effective altruism, coming out in the top spot, Sam Bankman fried. Um, don't know how much longer he's going to be on there, but good for him. Uh, Vitalik again, who is our Ethereum founder, and he gave uh, $100 million to $1 billion in crypto to give well. And uncertain if he's currently a billionaire. And this is how I know that they are not only cool with, but like promote eugenics as... Um, one of the goals of effective altruism is that Bill Gates and Melinda Gates are also on their on their list. And then Elon Musk is the last named person with crypto people as a question mark <laughs> at the at at the end. Um, oh, so I had I had more, and we've we've mm. gone on for like quite some time. And I think that it's yeah. it's maybe time to call close on this chapter. We haven't talked about Harry Potter yet. We haven't talked about the Basilisk. Next episode, Bas- Basilisk comes first. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm I'm. It's gonna start really off excited. They are all terrified yeah. of the Basilisk, but mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta call it shivering in their yeah. boots. Do what is your favorite? character from harry potter i um famously haven't read the books so and i only i watched the movies like super sick with covid last year because i got curious and wanted to know if they were as bad as i thought they were gonna be so that's and i read harry potter and the methods of rationality and my immortal so that's what i know Hmm. um that ghost that always hangs out in the bathroom i think her name is Myrtle. i can relate (laughs) Hanging out yeah. in the bathroom is like real fun. <laughs> I like I like the bathroom. A sense of novelty gives me a, a jump start. I like to um, sometimes just sit in the tub with no water in it and do my work in there. 
so I relate to to Miss Myrtle in that way. Were but you I know nothing like about her? So. You know, before we learned things, were you like ever a Harry Potter person, or did you have taste? No, I read the first book because everyone was reading it, and I was like, I was a kid, so I was like, I want to see what this is about. And I read it, I was like, this is boring. I'm gonna go back to reading Animorphs. Um, Good for you. I, I finished it. I was like, this is this Good is like you. boring, and there are other magic books out there that I prefer. Like, so I just like, I was reading like Aragorn. I was more into dragons than I was into wizards. That checks out that's for and, you. Dragons are a lot uh, like horses. I feel like yeah. that's a... An animorph. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're horse-like. So it was, it was a really good one-to-one when I was kind of like outgrowing black. Mm. Black is a good book. Um, <laughs> I was never, <laughs> I was never black into Black is a good book. I'll stand by <laughs> that. Hey. Oh. Is that Hell your yeah. favorite Harry Potter yeah, character? Brother. Did you did you ever have Me? one? This is a safe space. I've yeah. read all the books as like a small child, and then I oh yeah you're young. Yeah, and then I one time I had a uh, days long panic attack, so I watched all the Harry Potter movies back to back. Um, I think my favorite character is probably like the like uh, the Irish kid. I like the Irish kid a lot. Seamus. Okay, there's uh, no, no, Seamus. so they're so oh, racist. That lady, can't, like, she is. She's such a fucking Tory. incapable <laughs> of doing, like, yeah. of just not being racist. Where, like, the I, because I watched these for the first mm-hmm. time last year after already knowing what a terrible person she was. It wasn't like I went into it trying to be charitable. And so I just noticed everything, and I was like, "Why is the Irish kid blowing always blowing up? stuff up? What kind of I plot is it. that?" Mm-hmm. Where she's just like, "She's like, we've got one Irish guy; <laughs> he's always blowing things up. We've got one black guy; he doesn't know who his dad is. Like, who let her do this?" I will say that mm-hmm. um, I thought that the girl that was like Rory Gilmore coded. Hated her. Yeah, she oh, was the oh, villain. Oh, 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 I, I want nothing but bad things to happen to her. I hope she <laughs> never gets a spot working in Hillary Clinton's campaign, and I hope that she feels so bad when Hillary loses. I hope yeah, she cries on fucking, election night in twenty sixteen. A fucking Elizabeth Warren voter. Terrible. Just looking me right in the eye. Absolutely. Well, she, she is Rory Gilmore, ba- and I hated her based on the less wrong analysis of her i assume she's like there she is a very important character very important character in harry potter and the methods of rationality and um i feel like like i'm probably not the first person to say this but it's very bad storytelling because something that a character should have is an arc i watched all seven of those movies with a really intense fever in or eight of those movies i don't know in the course of like two days and Rory Gilmore has no conflict. Her conflict is that she is smart and people find her annoying. Mm-hmm. And then she remains smart and annoying the whole time. Um, and I think My Immortal is better. I'm not going to let my kids read Harry Potter. I don't think I benefited from watching those movies. I think the best character is the one that they left out of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality which is the redhead that is not the Irish guy, it's Ron, who's is just Ron a guy. Is Ron completely left he's out fine. of the methods of rationality? Yeah, because he's not he's rational. He's too much of a normal guy. 
Yeah, he's not he's not into the science. He's too much of a man driven driven only by finding the joy in life. That was why I I think after getting into Harry Potter and the methods of rationality, I was like, well, clearly Ron has got to be my favorite because he's the only one that the rationalist couldn't figure out anything to do with. That must mean that he has some redeemable qualities. And that's my Harry Potter take. Oh, one more thing. One more thing, actually. When I watched those movies, they made me very upset. In one of the movies, they do a time travel thing. Not a good idea when you're writing a story to do a time travel thing in the middle of your series, you're setting yourself up for a lot of questions that you might not want to answer. But then they do something even worse, which is that they like break all the time travel stuff. Like they like go into a room and then one of them says out loud, Oh no, you crashed into all of the remaining time travel devices that there are in all of the world's yeah. existence and you broke all of them so now there are no more and that that's not that's not good writing <laughs> you can't do that nope <laughs> you can't just looney tunes you can't go, oh, I'm, I'm just so clumsy. i just happen to be in the room oh, I where all it. of the objects are and i broke all of the <laughs> objects and now there are no oh, more oh no i went into the <laughs> Oh, I accidentally tripped and fell into the very breakable glass. And <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna exclusively leave, glass. I'm gonna leave all of you with something that my mom said to me because I read um, the Chronicles of Narnia for the first ever time like last week, and I called her and I was like, "Mom, this man's crazy." And no, he's not Catholic, Protestant convert. Very important. It's like this mom. This man is crazy. I understand now why you didn't let me read him. When I was a kid, I would not want my kids to read this either. This is like, it's real racist and fucked up. And my mom was like, well, Virgil, let me tell you something that is true. He's British. (laughs) And I think that that's all all that you need to know. Thank you, everyone. There will be a part two. You should... You should stick around for that when that comes out. We are at Big Soy Naturals everywhere. You should follow us. You should follow me. I'm commodify this everywhere except for on Tumblr where I'm commodify me. Kenny, is she her Zog? I don't remember what Greg is. Um, it's got Greg in the title. But you should follow like Gorilla Radio Show on all the relevant places and that will take you to where you can find Greg. And that's all. I love Venn diagrams. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. When I'm smoking greens, cause I'm on your teeth. When I smoke the sea, cause I'm such a fiend. High as a kite, smoking Walter White. When I smoke the blue and I smoke the purple. Smoking on the blunt, cause I want to run. Smoking on the green cause it makes me lean Smoking on our ground, I smoke and scream When I hit the blunt, it's a paper cut When I hit the blunt, I get fuck When I hit the blunt, I don't give a fuck I don't want smoke, I just want smoke 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 When I hit the pipe, I'm like Walter White Walter. When I hit the smoke, I feel like a dope Yeah, I like green cause it makes me lean And I smoke high cause I'm blowing clouds when I'm getting high, then it's time to smoke. When I'm smoking loud, then it's time to blow clouds. When I hit the blunt, I don't give a fuck. When I hit the blunt, it's like, give a fuck. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke.
I don't want smoke, I just want smoke. Big soy naturals. <laughs>